Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. Welcome, everybody, to this Thursday, February 22nd edition of the Hagman Report. We have an awesome show lined up for you today. A little disjointed here uh, as we're getting ready to go on air. Uh, my, my co-host, my old man, Doug, is not in his chair. He's the only person I know who can be in the studio eight hours before the show and be late to the opening. But we're going to start without him. He will be joining us in just a few moments Geez, a whole lot of news to get into, and we have this first full hour to do so, and we're going to cover a lot of ground. <clears throat> also, in this show, we're going to be joined by Laura Loomer. She's been doing some uh, on-the-ground investigations into the Florida shooting, and there's an interesting video um, associated with, with her in InfoWars. InfoWars confronts lying anti-gun Florida congressman. I haven't had a chance to review the whole tape, but it's pretty interesting in this gun control battle that is ongoing between the media, Florida, and the rest of the nation. We're going to talk about that. So 8 to 8.30, Laura Loomer. 8.30 to 9, Melissa Zachary, the honeybee, is going to be joining us. And then we're going to be joined by Keith Hansen at 9 to 9.30 and Craig the Sawman Sawyer from 9.30 to 10. And there's a great update. If you go to Hagman Report or vetsforchildrescue.org, there's a, a piece that came out from Craig Sawyer and his organization as there was seven arrests in a sting operation that Craig Sawyer oversaw in Utah. And this is uh, what he said he was going to set out to do. The Veterans for Child Rescue and the organization's covert Viper Team 12 conducted a coordinated operation in Utah, codenamed Operation Blue M&M, in conjunction and or cooperation with a number of local law enforcement agencies they arrested seven people in this thing. Among uh, the, the, the names and the charges are all listed there. <clears throat> but he's going to join us to talk about not only his upcoming Netflix special, but uh, we're going to ask him some questions about this operation as he continues to have an impact in the community stopping the pedophilia rings. And one of the things that's really interesting about this charge is it's not just... I'm going to go shooting with him and Gunny. It's not just um, the conspiracy to commit child rape. There's also um, a human trafficking charge in there. And and what they believed is that one of these people who was arrested was actually going to kidnap the victims, the the children, and make them part of a human trafficking ring. So uh, who knows, you know, how many children were saved just by this seven-person bust. And uh, one of the interesting things to note is the types of people who were arrested in this thing from... Uh, a military recruitment officer to a n- number of other you know business owners and whatnot. So it's a very interesting story, and we're going to get the full scoop from Craig Sawyer tonight. Now, as far as news goes, Mueller Robert Mueller is in the news as he has indicted Paul Manafort again, this time on 16 counts of different financial crimes from not filing proper tax return papers to 
uh, bank fraud stemming back to a pro-Ukrainian, a Ukrainian pro-Russian government 2014 business dealing. Again, uh, a much to do about nothing as far as actual collusion between Ooh, Trump wait, wait and Russia. Wait a second. I, I, I thought Mueller was, was actually playing 3D chess. Um, I thought Mueller was actually on our team. Well, right. he already had indicted Manafort and Gates. Well, right. But Mueller more than doubles criminal charges against Manafort and what it says, 16 counts related to false individual income tax returns, seven counts of failure to file reports of foreign bank and financial accounts, five counts of bank fraud, conspiracy, and four counts of bank fraud. The charges ratcheted up against uh, uh, two Manafort pose legal danger that they may face in court. And again, this stems to Ukraine's pro-Russian government and the work they did on behalf of that government in 2014. Joe, did the indictment include any type of um, election electioneering interference at all? No. And this article from the LA Times says the alleged scheme lasted through 2016, according to the indictments, but it does not mention their work on the Trump campaign or any cooperation with Russian operatives who use social media hacking and other tactics to meddle in the U.S. presidential race. So, again, nothing to do with Trump, nothing to do with the 2016 election or collusion. Now, CNN is uh, has done a number of things in the last 24, 48 hours that has them in an interesting position in the news as they had sent a camera crew to harass an old lady in her front yard, try, uh, somebody who allegedly shared a post that was posted by one of those 13 Russians. And now this lady is getting death threats. She's getting harassed on social media. And it's just turned into a crap show. And CNN had this town hall yesterday. And I'm sure many people have seen the, the clips and, and all the different um, angles from the NRA rep saying that the crowd wanted to kill her, wanted to burn her, and she wouldn't have got out of there with without private security, to one of the shooting survivors saying that CNN attempted to hand him a script in place of something he wrote and was denied, they denied him to go on air after he refused to read the script. And what's really interesting about this story is CNN's response to this. They're calling this kid a liar after he uh, said, you know, I'm not going to go and jump on this uh, you know, politicized anti-gun uh, march that all these other students are involved in. Uh, he had his own questions. You know, he dared to think outside the box, and he is being called a liar now by CNN. And what's really interesting about their response to this kid, CNN denies school shooting town hall was scripted after Parkland Massacre. Survivor claimed the network rejected his questions about armed guards and urged him to ask one it had written. Colton Hobb, 17, claimed CNN presented him with a prepared question at Wednesday's town hall meeting. After the alleged incident, Hobb decided not to attend the town hall. He was the student, he's the actual hero in this event, was the one who shielded a number of his students in the junior ROTC room with a Kevlar sheet. Now, what's really interesting about this, uh, this is what he says. This is what the school shooting survivor Colton Hobbs says. CNN had originally asked me to write a speech and questions, and it ended up being all scripted. And CNN responded, there is absolutely no truth to this. CNN did not provide or script questions for anyone in last night's town hall, nor have we ever. <laughs> nor have we ever. And what's interesting about that is on Drudge, underneath that network denies 
article there is another article from the New York Post, CNN's long history of allowing Democratic town hall plants. And just one example off the top of our heads, we know Donna Brazil gave Hillary Clinton the debate questions on when the CNN debate between her and Bernie Sanders were ongoing um, that, that was scripted. And, and for them to say that they've never scripted anything is a joke. We could literally spend the next three hours listing examples of uh, fake news, lies, disinformation, and scripted questions, protests, and other news events by CNN. This article from the New York Post says on Thursday, CNN will host a town hall with President Obama as part of its final year push to make gun control part of his legacy. In addition to sitting down with liberal anchor Anderson Cooper, the network says Obama will take questions from the audience. And it goes on to uh, say that the in the age of micromanaging partisan stagecraft, left-wing media enablers, there is no such thing as a spontaneous question, as CNN has a long history of allowing political plants to flourish in its public forums. And then it goes through and gives many examples of uh, different citizen and other uh, plants who have been caught giving or answering questions or, or giving information out that has been scripted by CNN. And you can go through the list yourself. I'm not going to read these examples. But we know that, to a great degree, the mainstream media is scripted. You might not have, uh, every guest might not have a, a a piece of paper with exactly what to say word for word on it, but they're definitely giving talking points. They're definitely nudged in the right direction. And we have seen numerous examples of when they start, when guests start to say things that don't agree with the CNN ideology, you know, they lose their connection. The screen fades to black. Um, you remember that there's a great example, Bernie Sanders, who made a joke, uh, you know, CNN is fake news. And then instantly he was no longer connected and the, the feed uh, had been cut. And we have seen countless examples of these all over the place as um, CNN is pretty much the least credible news organization on the planet. Now, uh, again, we're going to have Laura Loomer coming to us live from Florida to talk about the latest of what she has found out down there. But there are still a lot of lingering questions, a lot of interesting angles to this Florida shooting and the really the, the story that's come out of it uh, the biggest story that's come out of it, aside from the death of 17 students, is the ma- massive push for gun control that we've seen. And this is something that came out today. Apparently there was a a Florida sheriff's deputy, a Broward County sheriff's deputy, who was assigned to be the school's resource officer at the Stoneman Douglas High School. And he has resigned this morning after being suspended without pay. Now, what did he do? Apparently, he was stationed to be at the school, but he never showed up, ever. So now he has resigned. The uh, sheriff of Israel said that Deputy Scott Peterson was outside of the building during the time of the shooting. According to Israel, video evidence suggested that Patterson remained outside for four minutes. The entire mass shooting lasted an estimated six minutes. Scott Peterson was absolutely on campus through this entire event. He was armed. He was in uniform. After seeing video, witness statements, and Scott Peterson's very own statement, I decided this morning to suspend Scott Peterson without pay pending an internal investigation. As is his right, Peterson chose to resign. Israel claimed Peterson clearly knew there was a shooting and was seen doing nothing on video. Israel added that there is no known issues with communication. 
you know, this is something that we have seen pretty much at all the federal law enforcement level, the local law enforcement level, the educational level, the failures to uh, of people all around and inside and out of this school to act on information. One of the things that we have seen from the shooting is the uh, the FBI, the numerous tips that the FBI got about this kid and their failure to act. Now, I have to pull up the statement, the official statement, but the FBI did bring up today why it was, how, how they managed to botch the tips. And I caught a quick glimpse of this on CNN today, so I have to read the official statement. But they're trying to blame people at a, a call screening center which I'm not sure if these are actual FBI agents. I would believe that they are. But, again, I'm going to have to dig into this a little bit. They're trying to say that the information at the call center level was not properly communicated to FBI agents. Now, that leaves a lot of room for, uh, you know, is it a mistake on the, the people who received the information or the way that they gave the information? Is it the agent's fault who took the information? Either way, nobody anymore is accountable for their mistakes. Nobody is responsible for the problems that they create for in the failures when they fail to do their job. And I'm going to look up right now on exactly what the FBI said on their lack of following up on the on this issue because it was on CNN today again. I, I saw it in the news, and it's very important because we have the FBI who has basically has zero public credibility from the. Uh, attempts to undermine Trump and end his presidential term from their fake Russia investigation to the failures to act on this shooting to their long history of being involved in terror attacks and enabling terrorism to a great degree. On The Daily Show, we covered numerous examples of the FBI being neck deep in terror plots which they say, you know, they're doing to uh, arrest these terrorists. But one of the great examples is the 2015 Dra Muhammad contest where two attackers with guns attempted to gun down the, uh, the, the, what was it, the organization, the, the uh, Dra Muhammad uh, protest or whatever it was. And the F- one of the FBI agents was uh, grooming this terrorist to the point where he was sending him messages encouraging him to commit violence, saying, go tear up Texas. It was a big storyline a few years ago. And from that to we see the FBI supplying trucks and logistics to people and saying, you know, go, here's a bomb, go go park this truck there. And then they uh, turn out to arrest the people saying, look, we foiled a massive terror plot, even though they were the ones who basically designed the terror plot. So the FBI has a huge credibility problem. And this has only this is only adding to it when we see them coming out and making excuses for why they failed to act on the tips, why uh, they did not follow standard operating procedure. And that was another thing that was issued in the statement today. It says that their standard procedure was not followed through. But again, they tried to make excuses and blame uh, the people who took the information or who gave the information. Either way, they had multiple chances. They were notified multiple ways by multiple people, and it never... uh, they never followed up. They never went through with this. So we have a failure at the school level. We have a failure at the local law enforcement level, the federal law enforcement level. 
you have a parenting failure, you have the, the school discipline and, and the stories we talked about of how the zero tolerance policies were removed in order for more laxed, uh, behavioral and other, uh, problems that people have at school to where this kid was shuffled from a special school back to the high school. So many disciplinary problems, fighting, cursing at teachers, being caught with bullets in his backpack. So as we are, what, eight days away from the shooting, we have now seen how just about at every level and every layer of security that's supposed to be there, even ahead when people are giving tips about this kid, even indicating that he's going to shoot up a school six weeks ahead of time, the multiple failures that continue. But what do we see? They blame the guns. They are on a full assault in the media on uh, to push gun control. And we have seen Trump take some action where he is considering raising the age to buy quote-unquote assault rifles to 21 and banning bump stocks, asking the DOJ to, what, put out a law, issue a uh, an order to make these things illegal, the, the bump stocks. And that rubs some people the wrong way. Uh, people, uh, we see these articles on Newsbusters that belligerent CNN journalists bash, bash conspiracy theorists at NRA. And I love this one because they go on to say that the NRA is a group of conspiracy theorists for believing that Democrats want to take their guns away. But that's exactly what they're doing, even in this piece, saying that they need to repeal the Second Amendment. And we have CPAC going on in Maryland as we talk to uh, Jack Posobiec, who was there yesterday. And we're going to be hearing from Alicia Powell tomorrow, who's going to be live at CPAC also. But Wayne LaPierre from the NRA spoke there today, as well as uh, another NRA spokesman who was at that CNN town hall last night. And she said that basically she received multiple death threats while there. And we see how the NRA, as always, when these things unfold, are labeled, you know, monsters, terrorists. Even at that town hall debate yesterday, Jake Tapper let one of the students call, say that Marco Rubio reminded him of the shooter. So, I mean, it's just, it's just crazy how, uh, we see just the constant drumming on guns, the constant, uh, you know, mainstream media push, and then this, added layer of using the children to continue to push their agenda to where uh, any criticism of these children somehow turns you into a monster. But we're going to, again, hear from Laura Loomer in the next hour, and she's going to be giving us a live update from Florida and some of the things that she has found. And you can go to her Twitter feed because she posts all her information there, and we're going to get an update from the ground because it's so important when we see these stories and all, uh, especially with the, the shooter and all the failures around him, to get a, a good comprehensive timeline of when the tips came in, when the information was given, how uh, this kid was able to slip through all the, the cracks, including the, one of the, the main areas that we have talked about but not enough, which is the mental health issue. And there are some interesting statistics that if we have time we will get to, which is uh, the amount of the, the, the percentage of mass shooters who have been on mind-altering medication and some of the figures put this in the upwards of 90 percentile and i'll have to find the exact report i was looking at earlier uh, for accuracy but either way there is definitely a correlation between mental health and uh, this type of violent behavior and then we see the president also making comments about violent movies and video games which may or may not play a role but either way it's a 
something that we're going to continue to dig into, and I'll find those numbers. On Hagman Report, there's a couple of stories that we want to draw your attention to. One, Chauka, Peter Chauka has a new article. CNN hit several low or new low points, and he posted this just this afternoon. And I love how it, the, the things he points out because when watching CNN and, and uh, watching this, and I do watch it a lot, to see some of the stuff he points out is some of the same things that I notice. And this is what Peter wrote. I was watching CNN when I observed a new low point, and considering the recent history of CNN, that's really saying something. The program The Situation Room with Wolf Blitzer, like all the hosts of CNN, including news anchors, Blitzer is consistently anti-Trump, so I wasn't expecting anything close to fair and balanced. But what I saw this time was even more obnoxious and telling. As Blitzer and his talking head guest opined, they, it goes on to um, say this. Breaking news. White House repeats Trump's false claim that he's tougher on Russia than Obama. And we see these constant... The, the, this is the, the what CNN has been doing. Anytime uh, they have a new talking point, they break in with the breaking news banner. And it, even when it's something as silly as this, as Trump has said, he has been tougher on Russia than Obama. They come out and basically give an opinionated talking point as a breaking news headline. So again, breaking news. White House repeats Trump's false claim that he's tougher on Russia than Obama. And Peter writes, there it was, right out in the open. An unproven, opinionated editorial judgment on a supposed hard news program spelled out for everyone to read. And then he goes on to uh, point out some other areas in this same show and other shows that show the hypocrisy and biased nature of CNN and the media. And it's a really good article, and as always, uh, Peter does a great job. But HagmanReport.com, there's a few stories we're going to hit before we get to this break. This one was a rough one. Christian parents lose custody of child because they oppose gender transition hormone treatments. You heard that right. A judge in Ohio has legally permitted a 17-year-old teen girl who identifies as a boy to undergo hormone therapy despite opposition from her Christian parents, sparking criticism from conservatives. This is from uh, last week on Friday. A visiting juvenile court judge in Hamilton County, Ohio, issued a ruling granting legal custody to the teen's grandparents, who, according to a prosecutor, accept their grandson for who he is and support the teen's desire to transition in gender. Now, this brings up a whole host of issues, and, and if you want more on that case, go ahead and read it there, but you guys get the, the gist of it. A 17-year-old is denied gender reassignment treatment by their parents while they are still a minor. So what do they do? They sue the parents. And, of course, the left-leaning judge rules in this child's favor, which is just its absolutely insane. Why not? rule in the parents' favor, wait a year, or wait till the, the person's 18, then they can make their own decision. Why allow the government to interject itself into a family dispute where the parents do have a right to tell the child no? Now, you have uh, age restrictions and age laws that in some states that you know make that person an adult, but in states where they're not an adult till they're 18, why interject? Why create more tension? This is not a civil rights movement. This is self-mutilation and mental illness. And the judges, the society, are promoting this and making, trying to make this the norm. And it's so aggravating to watch, but 
these are the kind of pieces that are are thrown out in the news to do just that to to generate an emotional reaction and it's um it's amazing to see but at what point at what age can judges say hey yeah your your 5-year-old kid has rights and they're allowed to get a gender treatment i mean at, at what point do, do, do does this cross the line into governmental interference and and judicial overreach if a judge can can permit a parent or, or i guess change guardianship of a child over a child's desire to have gender reassignment surgery what can't they do if a judge can issue an order stopping a, a presidential policy through executive order what can't they do and we need to get an expert on to talk about what are the constitutional lines that judges can and can't cross and how how often do we see those lines being crossed on a regular basis it is uh, amazing to watch day in and day out these stories come out that are just insane they make no sense not even on legal basis let alone common sense or or a moral uh, standard and it is unbelievable to see this this behavior not only continue but be encouraged by society by the judges by the politicians by the media by the elite this is the new world order mentality and and i saw i said, think i said this yesterday for a glimpse into the future of political correctness look at paul joseph watson's latest video i think it's called the islamization of sweden where he goes through a whole host of news articles that show how sweden has been destroying itself by changing laws even raising the retirement age to give returning isis fighters housing and welfare reading raising the retirement age for all and how in this lifetime if you're a sweden a native sweden you are going to be the minority in your own country before you die and i think and there's a hundred other examples in those in that video he does that just shows the people who are telling the truth people who are saying hey uh, gang rape has increased because of the migrants when the crime statistics show that to be the case people who are saying this on social media are being put in jail for telling the truth how long until we see that here in the US we always say you have a first amendment you can't you can't have hate speech when you have a first amendment i'm telling you it's coming here with with at least and it's already here in some forms through censorship through these social media and technology companies like youtube and google but it's going to be coming as part of our criminal law i guarantee sooner than later i mean look what they've already done it in canada so we're going to cover this and much more when we come back you're listening to this edition of the hagman report don't go anywhere This is the Hagman Report for today. Of course, it is Thursday, February 22nd, 2018. And just uh, thanks, Joe. It was a good half hour there, kind of going through Covered the, uh, yeah, covering a lot of information. And um, I would urge everyone to go to News with Views and check out Dave Dobmeyer's article, What if Abortionists Use Guns? It, it, it's, it does relate to a lot of things, including but not limited to not only the abortion argument, but also the 
um, the um, school shooting at its periphery. And I think that we have to also understand that we in America here right now are facing a civil war within, a war within our country. And, And trust me when I tell you that we're all on the front lines. You're on the front lines. We're on the front lines. And that might sound trite when I say it, but we are. But I want to point something out that Joe, you had mentioned this about the uh, uh, indictments, because this to me is where the story is really at. Because we have, we um, and, I, and I, I spent a great deal of our of my show this morning talking about about not the indictments, but about the fact that we are facing a civil war. And you might blow that off. You might roll your eyes. You might say, "Well, you know what." No, we're not. Well, we are already in a civil war. We're already in. The shooting just hasn't started yet. If you don't think you're a part of this or you haven't essentially decided your your side yet, then I believe you are deluding yourself because you are. We you have chosen either to remain silent or to speak with or against the nation. And those speaking against the nation, I believe, are at the heart of what we're seeing unfold inside the Beltway, inside Washington, D.C., specifically with the Mueller uh, investigation. Th- think about the 13 indictments, uh, the, the Russian indictments, the 13 indictments last week, or the Russian right. indictments against 13 people and three entities. Not sure once, joke, because right. they'll never be extradited. Well, r- right, but, but but think about the international aspect of that as well, because remember when Obama tossed out the uh, Russian diplomats as he was leaving the White House. All of this is connected to create this this artificial meme that we have been infiltrated by the Russians, and those people who are actually doing the bidding for the Russians are not the progressive Democrats, but they are the conservatives. They are the self-professed conservatives. And I want you to listen very carefully. And if, and, and please, I, I would ask you to do me a favor. Go to HagmanReport.com. Go there. And click on the listen buttons and listen to my show from this morning. That's not a, well, I guess that is kind of a, a self-promotion of my show, but nonetheless, because we are at the precipice of a civil war in this country. Again, the shooting just hasn't started. But here's the thing that I, I Joe, yesterday you had, uh, we had talked briefly about, and I want you to jump in here about this. We had briefly talked about the woman in Florida, CNN, and, uh, uh, her name is Florine, the the seventy year old woman, Florine. Yeah, the lady who's now uh, getting ruined, death threats. Um, yeah, you know, I, 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 okay, tell me her last name. I, I, that escapes me. It was Florine. I don't name know. Is ruined. But this is important. I think I think it's important for everyone to really understand what happened here because there's a lesson here. And, and <laughs> if history, and seriously, if history, when history books are written, you're going to go back to this and you're going to say, wait a minute, this was a very important event. In the course of our nation's history, and it, it tells a lot. So let's—I I, want to make sure we've got her name. I, I left, as usual, I left my notes in my office. By the way, I'm going to be hosting Infowars tomorrow, the fourth hour. Um, join me, join me on Infowars tomorrow, last hour. Um, that'll be Friday the 23rd, of course, and during, during the fourth fourth hour. So tune in for that. Infowars.com tomorrow, Friday, February 23rd, the last hour. But getting back to what CNN did, a 70-year-old woman in Florida, what she, what, what she did was she was part of a Facebook group, 
And again, you've got to understand the all aspects of the story because when I say we're we're in the midst of a civil war and you're part of it and you're saying, well, uh, you're looking around saying, I, I don't, what do you mean? I'm not, I, I just go to work every day and I, I, look, you're part of it. You just don't know it. Flogren, G-R-U-E-N. That's her middle name. Goldfarb. Goldfarb, that's right. Florine Goldfarb, okay. And she's been just Remember that name. On social media. Right. She is a patriot. All she okay. Here's all she did. She went to Facebook. She supported a Facebook book or a Facebook group mm-hmm. that supported President Trump. And this Facebook group was part of a. Um, oh, it, it, it was infected by Russian trolls, and I, I use trolls in air quotes. The these Facebook, uh, the world of Facebook and social media, there are no. You don't get like a a flag next to your name that indicates what country you come from. <laughs> right. Anybody right. can start a page about anything. I could literally find an election in any country across the world tomorrow that's upcoming and start a page for or against a political opponent without ever even been in the country or, or knowing anything about its politics. So there are there's not identifying markers or indicators that let you know that this person is from Russia. All the, the people see on the social media is you know the the groups, the pages, the the news lines or news feeds. They don't know where they came from or who posted them originally. Okay, well, exactly. But but all of us, we are all Florine Gruen mm-hmm. Goldfarbs. Yeah. And, and so what's see Okay, so she decided to get behind this or participate in the Facebook group that that promoted Donald Trump for president. At the same time, concurrent to her actions, a group of Russians from this Internet Research Agency out of St. Petersburg, Russia, promotes the same thing. Again, remember, it is the 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 the, uh, the ultimate objective of outside countries, including but not limited to Russia, to cause destabilization inside America, to cause the civil war that I'm speaking of, to cause disharmony, to cause or to create the environment for you to question the legitimacy of Donald Trump as president by questioning the legitimacy of the, of the election. So this is what happened. She goes out and she says, yeah, I, I, I can get behind that. And she gets behind the Facebook or promotes it. Like any person may. Like perhaps you might have done. Like Michael Moore did with the Not My President there you go. march. Okay. Or like CNN did by yes. promoting the Not yes. My President march. Exactly. If the woman was quick on her feet, she would have turned around and said, well, you well, had a bigger uh, impact than sharing uh, Russian distance. But, but she was ambushed. Right, she right. So, but, but, but here, and we have to really dissect this because this shows the exact page. You can, you can actually, we've got the, the opposition's the opposite, opposing team's playbook. We've got their playbook. You can set it down and you can go right to the exact page and paragraph as to what is happening here in America. And, and, and here it is. CNN comes in. Drew Griffin, okay, that, uh, sorry sack of crap goes in and starts badgering Flo Gruen Goldfarb, 70 years old. Now she held her own. And now I get the fact. I get it because I'm old. So I, I get the fact, but get off my lawn. Okay, I, I fully understand that now, being the old crotchety guy that I am. Get off my lawn. But she she was much nicer and she didn't say that. But but here's... You know, assault right. guy, probably. But, but, but here's what's taking place. CNN is creating the narrative. They want you to believe that Donald Trump, it's Donald Trump that is behind this Russian... Uh, is, is being, is being, is, is, it's the collaboration between Russia and Donald Trump and right. I mean, it's Putin's it, best friend, right? Right, right. Now, 
Okay, now hold that thought. Now, you might think this is pretty academic, you know, but, but listen carefully because there are steps to this. All right. What happened during the election is so critically important for you to understand. One of my favorite authors is Diana West. And her book is called American Betrayal. We could learn so much by that book, by reading that book. And also, another work, another author is M. Stanton Evans. He's no longer with us. But M. Stanton Evans wrote Blacklisted by History. And it's a subtitle about uh, Senator Joe McCarthy. And I've mentioned it often. The reason I mention this often is because what we're seeing today is the exact template that was used to infiltrate our government back in the 1950s post-war United States by Soviet agents, all right? So everything that you've got to understand, up to this point, everything you've heard about the Soviet Union and about the infiltration of Soviet agents into the Department of State, specifically into the Department of State and into American government, is wrong. Where you'll find the truth is in books such as Betrayal, American Betrayal by Diana West and Blacklisted by History. Now, take, you got, again, follow this because this is, this is important. So go back in time to the 1950s. Maybe you're not even born yet. It doesn't matter. We, we need to know history. Remember the McCarthy hearings. Remember the separate but parallel path of the House on American Activities Committee. Remember those two, two events. Separate, distinctly different, but parallel paths. Investigating the Soviet communist infiltration into our government, into our State Department. History has been revised since that point. And we now have people using McCarthy as a, as a McCarthyism, alright? It, oh, it, that's McCarthyism. That they're using that, that term incorrectly. As a matter of fact, they're using it as a pejorative against the American public. Now, what does this have to do with Florence or Florine Gruen Goldfarb and CNN? It's got to do, it's got, it's got everything to do with Florine. It's got everything to do with what we're seeing today. What CNN has done, they are reinforcing the stereotypical narrative, however wrong it might be, that the, that, that the post-war United States was not infiltrated by, by communists. As a matter of fact, it was all a lie. Where the real infiltration is, is by the by the conservatives who are pushing for or who are patriotic being nationalists and and and, and try, attempting to push Donald Trump up to his position of, of of president what you're not seeing is this and Eric's got this queued up to go on the screen go to spectator the article it's the american spectator and it's going to be on your screen here momentarily the woman in the middle nelly orr it's a special report by Diana West. Now, here is the, the, the dirty little secret that no one is talking about. A Stalin apologist is at the center of the Steele dossier scandal. Now, she poses that or posits that as a question. I am saying it assertively. All right? It's right there. Whoops, right there. <laughs> Backward on the monitor, right there. See, right there. It's that woman working for Fusion GPS, working as, really as an extension of Hillary Clinton. That woman, who, I will say, and again, th- these are not Diana West's words, they're my words, who are, who was working, in, uh, uh, breathlessly 
to promote the Russian, false Russian narrative that Donald Trump is, is part of this Soviet conspiracy. This, I shouldn't say Soviet, but this, this Russian conspiracy. When in fact, she, during the course of her academic years and beyond, had engaged in apologist activities for the Soviet Union and other dictators such as Stalin. So you've got Nellie Orr over here, who's married to the number four at the Department of Justice. Think about this. Who is an apologist for Stalin, working for Fusion GPS directly, who is working for Perkins Coie, who is working... Well, Christopher Steele's in there too. Let me ask you a question. Uh, working for, hang on, working for Perkins Coie, working for uh, the DNC, who is working for Hillary Clinton, to take, to embrace the Soviet narrative, the, the Russian narrative, and to sell it to the American people and to the news media. And notice Fusion GPS will, and, and this is a, this is a big thing that's not being talked about. Fusion GPS, their bank records will show that the information that she cultivated, among others, and by the way, I will leave at the end of this broadcast, or just look on my website, for all legal services of process, my address is on the website, should you so desire. But at the end of the day, it is her, it is the Clinton Foundation, it is the Clinton camp, it is the Obama people who are working lock, stock, and barrel with the media that includes CNN of course, the, to push this false narrative while they elevate Bruce Orr's wife, number four at the Department of Justice. They are accusing Florine Gruen Goldfarb of the same activities or worse than Nellie Orr. That's why each and every one of us better stand behind Florine And the death threats, you think that those are organic and spontaneous? No. Some of them are. Well, some, sure, some are. So I have a question. This whole thing is calculated. Yes. Why have, why are you saying that law firm's name differently? I thought it was called. I thought so too. I got corrected many times. Kui. It's Kui. Okay. All right. So I thought it was Koi, but silly me. Yeah. So, so let's have, so let's just make sure, because, you know, in, in the response of depositions that I'm sure, um, because we yeah. have, we have, I have been accused of being a foreign agent on, oh, we all on have. behalf of, right, of the Russians. We even got emails from Twitter to that effect right. saying, hey, right. you shared a, a message that could have been from Russians or posted an article from RT. Watch out for the Russian bots. But see, he, but here is but here's, <laughs> a little, uh, icon and here's the important part of this. If you think you are insulated from that accusation, and if you don't think that that accusation will have long-standing effects, you're wrong. Okay, the, 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 it, it's it's as crazy as you it might think crazy. it is. At some point, you may, as I have to now defend against the accusation of being part of this Russian operation. And let me tell you something. I'm not making any money from Russia. I'm not a Russian operative. But how do you prove a negative? And and, and, and better yet, what are you going to use for funds to hire the legal team 
that you need to prove something that you're being accused of wrongfully through an abusive process in the meantime. Mm -hmm. And when you go to get a mortgage, a second mortgage, in order to pay for your legal fees uh, for, for those kind of accusations... They look at and they say, "Well, you're a bad risk. Why? Well, you know, you're under investigation, uh, or, or you're, you know, being accused of working for the Russians. Well, how do you know that? Well, it's on social media. Well, okay, really? Well, sure. So they've weaponized. Think back to what what our previous guests have said about the weaponization of social media. This is not a game. Just ask my the guy that does my banking, my accountant." My attorney, this ain't, this is not a game. It can happen to you. All right, and, and it will. I mean, it, it's going to. We will get painted with that brush. And, 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 I, and I'm damn pissed at people who say, "Well, you know what? Uh, this whole thing, it's it's nothing to worry about." Yeah, it is, and it's going to get very personal, and it's coming to you. And, and, and I'm warning you right now, it's coming to you. The, the social networking, the media, the social media accounts, they are stopping the conservative voice. They don't like it. They're going to silence you through censorship. They're already doing it. And you know what? If you stand tall on abortion like Coach Dave Daubenmeyer does, the, the uh, marginalization is nothing compared to what he's going through and will go through. Because that's all part and parcel to it. Because see, in her, in that Nellie Orr report, guess what? She apologized in her 418 page paper that she wrote in her academic life. She apologized for the purge, for the Stalinist purge. Now I'm paraphrasing, of course. No, I mean, this is the mindset of the left. It's the, even when we talk about the spiritual nature of this battle, go back to Albert Pike and the three, the letters of the three world wars, where it describes after the second world war, uh, a state that will be created where atheism and communism will basically uh, ruin all the, the decency and morality and, and come after Christianity and come after you know, the constitution. It doesn't say constitution, but it talks about Americans and freedoms and, um, we see, and this is why I'm so convinced it is a spiritual uh, deception, a spiritual infestation with this leftist mindset, liberal insanity, Trump derangement syndrome, whatever you want to call it. It's a mental disorder. It's a spiritual disorder. And this is why these all these people all have the same mindset and, you know, are all triggered by the same things, immigration, guns, and transgenderism, and, uh, you know, anti-Trump. This is why they don't need to read from the same talking point page each each one of them because it's basically a spiritual download or condition that they already have inside of them much like people who read the bible they don't need to very well said they know the ten commandments they don't have to 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 review the ten commandments every time that they're you know discerning the truth in a news article but this is why we see this divide the way it is and you know the abortion immigration anti-trump and guns this is their very very well said mo so very extremely well 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 said and, and that's that's where we're at today. And and I just want people to really understand this because this is getting personal. And look, I'm sounding the alarm bells. We 
Well, let me ask you, Joe. I mean, in your assessment, do you believe that we're going to see a, a uh, an ideological shooting war? We, there's already yeah. ideological divides. We're already, we're already we, in there. We, okay. All right. We've seen with the shooting in um, was it Maryland or DC? Well, Maryland baseball, but, exactly. I mean, exactly. And, and the media um, they encourage this stuff. They egg this stuff on, and then you know what we see with them parading these children around. It is uh, insane to me that anybody, anybody could put any stock into anything CNN or any of these mainstream media people have with one side of their mouth saying, you're crazy if you think we want to ban your and take your guns away, the other side of their mouth saying, ban the guns, take all the guns away. And we've pointed this out many times, uh, and we did this yesterday. And the NRA spokesman, uh, I forget her name, at CPAC said the same thing. These people every day called Donald Trump, President Donald Trump, a tyrant, a dictator, an authoritarian, yet at the same time they're demanding that he confiscate guns and take other actions to uh, demean the constitutional rights of others or take away the constitutional rights of others. And as we pointed out yesterday, uh, many of these media organizations are promote, or saying that these kids are fighting, uh, this is a, a civil rights issue. And we detailed what the definition of civil right is, and it's something that's guaranteed in the Constitution, and it is to be protected and these people are on the other side of that. They're trying to take away a constitutional right. And Sheriff David Clark said it best that he believes that the, the media pushing these kids around to promote this anti-Second Amendment agenda has George Soros's fingerprints all over it. And no, it absolutely it does, does, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. This is straight out of their playbook, uh, exactly what they would do. And... There are, I mean, as Laura Loomer is going to join us next, we're going to get some new information or information on this, this Florida shooter. As again, we detailed the fact that it has come out now that there's, there's a security a systemic guard. Failure. There's a security guard who was fired, or I'm sorry, a, a sheriff. Yeah. Who was fired, who was present at the school when the shooting happened and did nothing, stayed outside. But, uh, with this, this Florida shooting only eight days ago, feeling like it's been 20 days now, they have not let up on their assault, attempted assault on the Second Amendment. And this debate is reaching local communities all over the country, even on our local news here. They were talking about the uh, local high school, McDowell, and some of the things that they were, how they were increasing security and locking doors and armed police officers and this and that. And we've seen a number of instances that uh, a kid shot himself in a school in Ohio Another, a security guard stopped a mass shooting from happening, an armed security guard in another town. So this is affecting each and every community uh, pretty much, as we've seen arrests being made on information of, from threats, people attacking schools. But one thing that is not, the media is only focusing on the gun angle in all this, not the mental health issues, not the failures of law enforcement, as we've documented, count, I mean, since this happened just about every day. And then again today we learn another piece of information. A sheriff's deputy stationed at the school resigns because he did not do his job, sat outside when the shooting happened, even on videotape, sitting there doing nothing, which raises a whole host okay, of other th- questions. Th- th- that's one person, though. That's like a 3,200 no, 3, school. Did he know, though? Did he know yes. something was going on? So Okay, so he knew there was an active shooter. Yep. Was he armed? Yeah, because sometimes the school resource armed. officers they don't they don't. No, he was armed. He's a sheriff's deputy, not a school resource officer, okay. not a security guard. All right, so Broward County Sheriff's deputy. All right, now let me just process this because I'm having a hard time with this. You've got an off-duty sheriff's 
on duty. Or on duty. Stationed at the school. school. And there was an active shooting taking place. And this guy's on video, never went inside, stayed outside. And never... Okay, so is there a reason as to why? Nope, and he was fired. He was let go by Israel and then resigned, however that works. I don't know if he was fired or given the option to resign. But Sheriff Israel says, What I saw was a deputy arrive at the west side of the Building 12, take up a position, and never went in. He was armed. He was assigned to that school. And it is, again, countless times we pointed this out, another failure of law enforcement, another failure uh, just in a long list of failures from the school system to local and federal law enforcement to the parents, the community. The one, the, the, the people that didn't fail are the ones who provided tips to the FBI before this incident happened from the YouTube guy who uh, Laura Loomer interviewed, and we're going to talk about that when we come back, and also uh, the person who we don't know who that person is who called the FBI, specifically saying Nicholas Cruz has a desire to kill and he's going to wow. shoot up a school. And, yet, and they you tried know, to blame the, this on a call center. Okay. Uh, and I'm trying to find out if the people who take the tips at that call center are FBI agents or not. All right. So we, we are we are hot on that trail. And so so follow us for news information about that. Also, Laura Loomer, as Joe said, coming coming in next. I want to thank John uh, John Robertson for, of course, setting all of this up. I want to thank Coach Dave Dobmeyer for his column. Excellent column today. By the way, the books I was referencing, and I, I don't get paid to say this or do this, but this is a required reading at the Hagman Studio. American Betrayal, right here. American Betrayal by Diana West. And also, what's going on today in, in uh, inside the Beltway. You, you want your eyes open? License to Lie. Okay, this is an incredible book, and you, you want to know about the Mueller team and why I don't for one minute believe that he's, he's um, Working for the truth, there it is. License to lie. And this by Sidney Powell. American Betrayal by Diana West. Read them. I'll be right back. Network break. Loomer coming to join us here very shortly. Before I hand it over to Joe, make sure you check out News with Views, the article today by Coach Dave Dobmeyer. Always a crowd pleaser, by the way, and always getting you thinking what if abortions were, you know, what if abortions use guns. And uh, that, that rings very true to my heart for a number of reasons I cannot disclose. Or can I? No, I'm, I, no, I'm not allowed to. But let me just say this. Um, human life is precious. All human life is precious. And if you, um, I don't know if you see pictures of, you know, an infant at 20 weeks, it's not a friggin' zygote, you morons. You see a heartbeat, you can see fingers, you can see brain activity. And these people want to marginalize it, or these people want to say it's a zygote, or it's a fetus or whatever language they use. Shame on you. Bunch of morons. Um, anyway, they, worse than that. Murderers. Not morons, murderers. Uh, don't forget, uh, 9 to 10 
Doug Hagman Radio Show, 2 to 3, Joe and John, 7 to 10, right here on Global Star Radio. I want to thank each and every one of you for your support, because your, your support's the only thing that keeps us going. Joe, I'm going to kick it to you. Just a, a clarification on the story that I was talking about earlier, the FBI's failure to act on the tip. They say that the information was not provided to the Miami field office. No further investigation was conducted at the time. The Bureau did not apparently follow established protocols in following up on the tip. So this did come out last week, and this is what led the governor of Florida, Rick Scott, to call on the FBI director, Christopher Wray, uh, for him to resign. But we have with us Laura Loomer, uh, investigative journalist Laura Loomer, who is down there in Florida and getting, uh, from what I'm reading, getting door slammed in her face for asking people questions. Laura, it's great to have you back on the show. Uh, How long have you been down in Florida? I've been in Florida for about a week now. I'm leaving tomorrow, and I'm going to be going to CPAC. But, uh, you know, I've been here for a few days now, and it's been a little crazy. I wasn't really expecting things to turn out the way they did because pretty much one day after arriving in Florida, I was banned from Twitter. So I've had a really hard time, like, getting my content out there because I've received a seven-day ban because I was critical of some of the students who are, you know, like, speaking out simply because I think that they're – not really like speaking on their own. I think that CNN is coaching a lot of these students, and uh, I, I brought that to the attention of people, and I raised some points about, uh, you know, like other concerns that some other pro-gun, pro-Trump students were raising, and because of that, I was kicked off Twitter along with my video in which I confronted one of the congressmen down here with InfoWars. So... It's been difficult, but uh, I also managed to confront the sheriff and ask him a question in which he, you know, dodged and then walked away and stormed off. Uh, so overall, I think it's still been pr- productive, despite the fact that the left is still trying to sabotage me. Yeah, making friends wherever you go. You know, the the, the truth is hate speech to those who hate the truth. I'm citing that from uh, Coach Dave Dobmeyer, but uh, again, there's been on my mind today. Joe. Absolutely. Laura, let me ask you this. How is this... Uh, this event in Florida different from your perspective to the Las Vegas uh, investigation, which you were front and center uh, in the middle of there. It seems like there's a lot more information here, but how how are these two events uh, so so different than each other, especially in the media? Well, I think what's what's really different is the fact that we've received a lot more information about the shooters. So the alleged shooter in the Las Vegas shooting, of course, is Stephen Paddock. And even though it's been five months since the shooting took place, we still don't really know about Stephen Paddock or his motive or anything of that nature or his medical history or anything that would really give the public some understanding of why he did what he did. We don't we still don't even really know if Stephen Paddock was the shooter because uh the FBI and LVMPD haven't really provided us with any evidence that suggests that this guy uh shot 58 people despite the fact that they released uh, a picture of his dead body in a hotel room. Uh and some people may find that to be absurd, but that's 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 the truth. I mean, I have not seen any convincing evidence that uh, Stephen Paddock I'm, killed 58 people. I am right there with you. The more I look into this, Laura, the more I believe that Paddock never fired a shot from that. From that, uh, right? And, uh, I'm telling you. Yeah. Go and ahead. And then with this, with this shooting, of course, we know who the shooter is. Nicholas Cruz. He's in custody. We've seen him appear in court several times now already, and we know that the victims, we like the family members, have been very vocal. The community members have been very vocal. Unlike the Las Vegas shooting, where people who were affected just kind of seem to be silent. Right? We haven't seen anything about funerals for family members. It's just, 
it was completely silent. It's very weird seeing the different media reactions and also the response from law enforcement. So while I think that Sheriff Lombardo is full of crap, and I also think that Sheriff Israel down here is also full of crap, and both of them are advocates for Democratic politicians and Democratic policies, um, and I'm not a fan of either of them, I still think that Sheriff Israel has been more open with the public and more transparent with regards to, like, the motive of the shooting, uh, with regards to what happened. Uh, I still think he's a liar, and I don't think that he is uh, being ethical in the way that he's politicizing this and using his position as sheriff to push for gun control because he's a registered Democrat, of course. But uh, you can't... You can't deny the fact that Sheriff Israel has handled this way better than Lombardo in terms of providing the public with information. And I did point that out on social media, even though, I, like I said, I do not like Sheriff Israel. But uh, he has done an all right job updating the public. Yeah, and, you know, it's really interesting there. I think you, when you first got down there, were putting out pictures of Sheriff Israel and, and uh, Hillary Clinton together and Debbie Wasserman exactly. Schultz. And it seems that he does have a a left-leaning mindset, but I, I will agree that the information coming out does seem to be much more uh, than what we got in Las Vegas. We have social media histories. we got exactly. you know family members and, and other people making statements. But I want to ask you a few questions. Um, one, the brother of Cruz was taken to a, a mental institution against his will. Do we know anything more about that or why that happened? Well, I was told that the woman who was supposed to be taking care of Nicholas and his brother, Zachary, um, who kicked Nick out of the house, uh, immediately committed the younger brother, Zachary, to a mental institution. So she Baker acted him, which you're allowed to do in Florida, of course, which is if you don't know what Baker acting is, it's when you commit somebody against their own will to a mental institution. So while there can be some beneficial aspects to that, I find the Baker Act to be like extremely controversial and really problematic yeah. because essentially like what what what's gonna happen someday if the Second Amendment is banned and Democrats obtain power? Are they just gonna like commit people who disagree with them and people who they deem crazy to mental institutions and lock us up against our will? I mean, I know it sounds really crazy to say something no, like that, doesn't. but we're getting to a point in time now where, uh, you know, these Democratic lawmakers are literally taking the advice of, of traumatized, emotionally unstable teenagers, and they're applying their flawed logic of our Constitution to completely um, abolish our rights as United States citizens. So, uh, you know, that's really all I know about the younger brother, that he's really, there really hasn't been a lot of information released about him. But, you know, I think it's it's unfair what they've done to the younger brother because just because Nicholas Cruz decided he was going to murder people doesn't mean that his brother is responsible for this. And so the brother is a minor. He's not even 18 years old, and they released the information to the media that he's been yeah. Baker acted. Yeah. And I just think that's really unfair to the brother because, you know, first of all, your medical history, especially your mental health medical history, should be completely private if you're not a criminal. No, absolutely it should. And that, and my question is if she did this because she was concerned about the, the, the child or, or young man. And we also know that there's an $800,000 inheritance on the table that, uh, the guardian also filed a petition to be the executor of, which. Exactly. Is, and I think that she's a horrible woman. I mean, I'm just going to say it right now because first of all, one of the individuals who she was supposed to be taking care of committed mass murder. She didn't She didn't get him the a proper mental health or care that 
he needed. It sounds like she just wanted to steal the family money. And then now that the brother is probably super traumatized because both of his parents are dead and his brother is probably going to be going to jail for life if he doesn't get the death penalty, she's trying to steal all the money. And I just think who is who after one week of knowing that somebody they're supposed to be taking care of committed mass murder is just already trying to steal their money. It I was mean, one it really day. It was lot. the next day. Yeah, it just really says a lot about her and her lack of character and morals because regardless of like what people may think about Nicholas Cruz or regardless of what people may think about his brother, uh my first response in the wake of a tragedy is not all oh, all right, who's gonna get the inheritance money or who's the money going to? No, yeah. I'd be a bit more concerned about, you know, the implications of me being a caretaker or, mm-hmm. you know, where this other child is going to go. She doesn't seem to really care about them at all. And it raises so many questions about her her uh, motivations and uh, again, this is why I asked about the the younger child because it almost seems like it was, it was 24 hours after the shooting. She files the court papers to gain control of the inheritance, then has the other, the younger brother institutionalized. It seems like it's a, a grab for the money, and that's all that it is. And if that's the case, that is horrible. And uh, that and it shows, as you said, just by what we've seen, the behavior from Nicholas Cruz, and, and nothing was done. I want to kind of switch gears here. You mentioned the – we've all seen how CNN and the mainstream media has been, uh, you know, parading these children around, filling them with their, their uh, you know, anti-Trump, anti-gun ideology and, and talking points and putting them on camera. I want to ask you this, though. Where is the information about this this David Hogg and the other... Is CNN, is there somebody inside CNN leaking information about the scripted questions, about, you know, those, that video we saw of the kid, uh, you know, fumbling around to find his words? Where is this stuff coming from? Or is this people on the Internet finding it? And then... Uh, the whole using the kids thing uh, to to promote their agenda is just disgusting. We don't even have to get into that. Yeah. But is there a leak at I CNN? I don't know. I mean, I was I would think that that video of him practicing, which was recorded footage that I assume they didn't release to the public, was probably a leak from within CNN. Because if you if you recall, there's video of him kind of looking to the camera and then forgetting his line and then stuttering and then being like, oh oh, I messed up. Oh oh oh, you know, like. Just kind of being really antsy on camera and not being able to like form a coherent thought because of course like he's a high school student and from what I've been told from other students who know him is like he's not social at all he's not very talkative and he's like very uh like he's not very pleasant to other students like I've spoken to several students who have told me that he's not a friendly kid and then now all of a sudden the media is trying to portray him as this victim and he's so eloquent and is using all this terminology and is an expert in gun laws and it's just so fishy to me it's like how did all these high school kids who are in drama club and you know like we're talking about teenagers like the generation below me that are known for eating Tide Pods, and now these kids are gun experts. <laughs> now we should lower the voting age because they're so great, right? Like, and look, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to like diminish them and say that they're not intelligent individuals, but I mean, look, we're talking about people from the age of 14 mm-hmm. to 18 years old in high school who don't know anything about guns, and then all of a sudden they're like uh, a textbook, and they have these you know, these statistics that they're firing off two days after their their friends that they're supposedly so traumatized over losing. And it just seems weird to me. If I lost 17 people I cared about and 17 people were murdered in front of my eyes, I wouldn't be smiling and giggling and, you know, making jokes and trying to become a superstar on CNN. And, that you know, that's one of the things, uh, this kid, David Hogg, I like to call him attention hog. Uh, one thing I'll say about the kid, 
is he knows what he wants. He wants to be the next Anderson Cooper. And the ties that he has to CNN and had to CNN before this event, he's obviously striking while the iron's hot. He's obviously uh, taking advantage of his 15 minutes of fame, I believe, to get that position in media. I can't fault him for that, just the way that he's going about doing it, obviously. And then one, one thing I saw today, he is saying that, there should be laws against people calling him a crisis actor. I thought that was really funny. But let me ask yeah, you. Yeah, he wants laws against everything because that's what the, that's the thing about this entitled, spoiled brat, David Hogg, right? And I'm going to call him an entitled, spoiled brat, even if people find that to be offensive and say, oh, you can't, you can't call him that because he's a victim of the shooting. All right. David Hogg hid in a closet and was recording a cell phone video during a code red and was, was like supposedly interviewing classmates while they were in the middle of a drill, supposedly when people were being shot, right? So what I want to know is what kind of person, uh, you know, starts starts filming themselves on camera talking about gun legislation and gun control if they really are scared for their lives. If this kid really does claim that he was scared he was going to get shot to death and he really does claim that he and his classmates were scared to his life, granted, like, not all of the students who are speaking to the media were in the room where the shooting took place, right? So there's been a really big misrepresentation of what actually happened on campus and who these student victims are because some of them actually were victims, the people who were in the room when the room was getting shot up. But some of the students were just on the other side of campus and they just happened to be very liberal and very, you know, talkative with the media. And so the media is portraying them as victims, even though they themselves were not anywhere near the gunshots. Yeah, and that's one thing that it's a huge school. There's three or four stories. And one thing about that video where the kid was interviewing people in the closet, he, he mentions the time in that video, and he says it's 9.32 instead of 2 p.m. or 2.14 exactly. or whatever. that's another thing that's really concerning and weird, and I just don't trust the students at all. And, look, I, I'm really sick and tired of the, the left-wing media and even people on the right trying to attack people like myself and others who are criticizing some of these students because, you know what, like, you're not a child. When you are 17 or 18 years old and you're throwing yourself into the public and you're requesting to be verified on Twitter and you have like hundreds of thousands of followers and you're on every single talk show exploiting the death of your classmates and your staff members uh, to get media attention and build your resume and build your media connections. You are not an adult. All right. So, I mean, you are not a child. So if you to, if you want to behave like an adult, then you should be treated as such. You can't just, you can't just uh, be disrespecting United States senators on television and, you know, being extremely rude and, you know, sarcastic and, like I said, extremely disrespectful to individuals on the right who you don't agree with. And then, uh, you know, expect people to think you're some innocent child that everybody should be pandering to. I'm sorry, but I'm not going to pander to students who are, you know, being very overdramatic with their encounter of the events. A lot of the students, from what I've told, were in the drama club. I'm told that a lot of the students are receiving coaching from CNN. Uh, you know, I'm told that a lot of the students are intentionally doing this so that they can get camera uh like camera time, right? One of the students expressed that to me yesterday that he thought that the student talking to Senator Mark Rubio last night was just putting on an act, right? So yes, I'm, no. I'm starting to get tired of it. It makes me not have sympathy for a lot of these students. And I know some people are going to say, oh, how could you say something like that? It's so harsh. Well, I am not really feeling sympathetic for a lot of these students who are behaving like total brats right? Completely disrespectful brats. Uh, I feel sorry for the parents, of course, but, but a lot but, of... But, Laura, 
No, I, I, I want to just interject this. You're spot on because you're, you are looking at the legal definition of a limited public figure. Uh, at 17, 18 year old, uh, young person, even under, under the age of consent, under, under legal age of 18, being used by their parents specifically with having yeah. a specific agenda. And that's what you're running into and you're calling it out and they don't like you calling that out. Uh, I found personally th- this to be the case. Um, obviously when, when they, when they're being used as pawns, by their, their parents, the progressive morons, exactly. you know. So, and this is what, what you're getting. So this is great that you're calling this out. People need to understand what's going on here. They're, they're being used as pawns. And the legal definition, look it up, of a limited public figure inserting themselves and sending themselves into a situation like this. Again, at the behest of their liberal lobotomized parents. And then when the- Exactly. Then they're, you know, they, as many other guests have said, they, they become beyond reproach by the networks who basically use them as a shield to promote their agenda, then you're not allowed to criticize them because you're some some kind of monster. Yeah, and that's what they're doing. That's what they're doing is they're using, they're saying that they're children, and they're not even children, all right? These people are 17 or 18 years old. I'm sure a lot of these kids have already had sex. They've gone to parties. They've... They've done drugs. They've probably had alcohol. Like, you know, your your typical public school experience growing up in America. So let's stop pretending like a lot of these people involved are such innocent children because they're not, all right? And I'm getting, I'm personally getting really tired of this, like, victimhood mentality that the media is trying to create, and they're trying to make everyone feel so sorry. And it's almost like you're not even allowed to express yourself or point out obvious flaws within the narrative or things that these students are saying because you're just characterized as a bully. And we've already seen the way certain people have reacted. So Dinesh D'Souza called them out and was like, oh, these students have been, haven't been this upset since their parents didn't buy them a car. And it was a funny joke because it's true. A lot of these students are behaving like, like I said before, spoiled brats. When they don't get what they want, they flip out and they call for people to be punished for exercising their First Amendment right. They want to take away our Second Amendment right. And now this individual, like this David Hogg kid, like you said, said, oh, yeah, there should be laws against people calling me a crisis actor. Well, maybe you shouldn't be, you know, maybe he shouldn't be pushing for the FBI and using himself as a propaganda agent or propaganda tool for his father and the FBI to push Trump, anti-Trump rhetoric, right? Maybe he shouldn't be going on every talk show and pretending to be grieving when really he's just trying to become a media star. No, you're, you're exactly right, Laura. And it's, it's just amazing the, the level, my level of frustration in dealing with this. Um, it, it's beyond anything I can express. And I saw the Twitter battles from Dinesh D'Souza and the, the media. It's just unbelievable. I want to make sure we ask you this while we, in the time we have left. Uh, two things. One, I know you confronted the, uh, representative, Ted Deutsch. Right. And what, what, what's the story about this? You say he lied to his constituents about guns? Yeah, so I'm in this town hall, and it's like this Moms Demand Action, liberal propaganda, anti-gun group, and everybody's lying. I mean, from the moms there who are claiming that they're not an anti-gun group, when the only thing I've ever seen Moms Demand Action do is call for a total ban on the Second Amendment. And then you have Ted Deutsch, who I like to refer to as Ted Douche, because he behaves and communicates like a total douchebag, uh, if you watch the video and the way he was talking to me. And, you know, he, he's totally unhinged, and he goes in there, and he starts saying, well, uh, you know, AR-15s were banned up until 2004, and this never would have happened if the Republicans didn't change that. And first of all, like, 
AR-15s were not banned until 2004, all right? He's talking about the suppressors and the accessories for automatic weapons. And then he's using the wrong terminology to refer to automatic weapons or semi-automatic weapons automatic weapons. An AR-15 is a semi-automatic weapon, all right? So you would think that somebody who's pushing for gun control would get their terminology straight instead of misleading people just based on emotions three days after people were shot and killed. So I called him out, and I I wanted to ask him a question, and he asked where I was from, and I said I was reporting for InfoWars. And he said, uh-huh. oh, I will never give an interview to InfoWars because you guys said that Sandy Hook was a hoax, which Actually, that's not true. Um, well, you, you know, I never it. said that. Anybody who and questions it is is deemed a, a hoax tart or, or a truther. Exactly. And then I asked him, I said, when are you going to hold the FBI accountable? You're talking about guns, but when are you and Debbie Wasserman Schultz, who doesn't even belong in this district, when are you guys going to hold the FBI accountable? And he went ballistic. I mean, he started screaming at me. Uh, you know, people were probably thinking he was going to attack me. I personally thought he was going to attack me because if you watch the video, he was so close in my face and he lunged towards me like physically and stuck his hand in my face and started to get really uh, loud and obnoxious. And for a second, I thought he was going to hit me. I really did. And I just don't think that, you know, it's really appropriate for a, you know, sitting United States congressman to behave that way, especially to no, a member. it is not. No. And thank you for thank you for being the person to ask those questions. I, I just want to personally thank you on behalf of our audience, on behalf of the people who who follow you. Thank you for being there to ask those questions. We really appreciate that. It needs these need to be asked, and these people like Deutsch need to be confronted. Exactly, and and they just don't want to be confronted because everybody here in Broward is so liberal. And then if you go against the liberal agenda or the liberal talking points, you get called out and you're called a bully or you're called, you know, a white nationalist or a racist or whatever they want to call you. And so I'm just not going to deal with it. I'm also not going to tolerate the sheriff saying, oh, this has to do with guns, when really the sheriff is a Democrat and he ran on a Democratic ticket and he's using his position as sheriff so that he can get reelected by pushing liberal propaganda in a blue district and then also gain points in Washington among other Democrats who could possibly become donors. I mean, the sheriff is completely exploiting this tragedy, and we already know that the sheriff doesn't really care about safety in Broward County. I mean, let's be honest. If you look at all the things that have happened under the sheriff's watch, he's a total fraud. I mean, just look at the the Fort Lauderdale shooting in the airport where there was an ISIS terrorist, and, and then the sheriff just, like, totally lost control of that whole situation and you know a woman ended up getting attacked by a police dog in the process and you know just like a total disaster how do you how do you let the airport get shot up under your time as sheriff how do you let that happen especially for a guy who turned himself in to the fbi how do you let an isis terrorist shoot up your airport yeah and that guy if you remember was saying that he heard voices and believed the cia was forcing him yeah. to join ISIS and turned himself into the FBI in Alaska and was allowed to walk out the door. Exactly. And then when that whole thing happened, the sheriff had even more controversy because his deputy sheriff is a member of the Florida care team and his oh, wow. deputy sheriff is a Muslim extremist essentially and he refuses to condemn Sharia law. And and that's a serious problem and a lot of people in the community find issue with that. And the sheriff who claims to be a Jew was actually defending this Muslim extremist and telling people that, Oh, he's a great guy, he's a great guy, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do anything, even though this guy refuses to condemn Sharia law and Islamic extremism. 
Very interesting. It, Laura, how can we help you? How can our audience help you? How can people help you get the word out, assist you what you're doing, in, any place to go, any place to, to assist you financially or uh, get the word out uh, otherwise? Well, I launched a new website. I just recently revamped it. It's lauralumer.us, and then you can find the links where you can support and contribute to my journalism. Uh, you can do so on PayPal at paypal.me slash lauralumer. And, you know, I'm just really hoping to build up my Facebook right now and my and my website because who knows how much more time I have on Twitter. Like I said, I was banned by Medium this week along with Jackson yeah. Sobek and Mike Cernovich, and then I was also banned by Twitter. So, uh, who knows what's going to happen? Even if I wait the seven days, they could still slap me with another, you know, who knows what they're going to do? Who knows what they're going to do to prevent me from getting in? But, you know, I'm sure your audience is now familiar with me and my very nonsensical, non-BS, like, straight-to-the-point, unfiltered approach. And I am not really concerned as to whether or not people are offended by what I say or if they think that it's politically incorrect or they think I'm being a bully because th- these things need to be said. Yes, they do. Laura Loomer, thank you so much for uh, being the boots on the ground, being down there asking the tough questions. And uh, we will, I'll throw your, uh, the video from InfoWars up on our website as well. And folks, make sure you, you visit lauralumer.us. Laura, thank you so much and keep up the great work. Thank you. God bless you, Laura. Let's all support her. Yeah. Let's all support her work. Yep. It's important work. Somebody needs to hold these these idiots accountable. And if my words are harsh, so be it. Folks, we're going to be right back. Network break. Thank you, Global Star Radio Network. Thank you so much for carrying our program as well as Blog Talk Radio. Find folks there. God bless. Folks there. God bless. This is the Hagman Report for today. Of course, it is Thursday, February 22nd. We are in the midst of a civil war, just some people haven't realized it yet. Uh, choose your side. It's time to decide which side you're on. And Laura Loomer, during the break, we did not get to this, of course, sitting there at that town hall meeting, live streaming it. The CNN crew wanted her and Brian Craig from the Brian Craig Show arrested. Arrested for what? Removed. Removed. But, but no, no, not just removed. Arrested. Arrested for daring to uh, to hold the conservative viewpoint does this sound orwellian it should remember how important look the, we are at war here uh, for those watching live via hagmanreport.com that's hagmanreport.com there it is there's a tweet at the cnn town hall event at laura loomer um, Laura Loomer and I were surrounded by security the entire time and threatened with physical harm during the event by the surrounding liberals. These meatheads don't want peace. No, they don't. They want active engagement. Active measures are taking place within the United States. Look up that term, add the phrase active measures. And Go think ahead. of what, you know, what we've been talking about when President Trump is out of office. The next time uh, a liberal lunatic gets control of the government, is stuff like this going to be allowed, or, or is stuff like this going to be enforced? We, we see with President Trump and a Republican House and Congress and Senate how much the, these people are allowed to get away with as far as censorship and using law enforcement uh, and other, uh, you know, pulling sponsors from shows uh, against people who share opposing viewpoints. This is a window into what Hillary Clinton presidency mm-hmm. would have been. And how bad will it be when some... As I said, other liberal lunatic regains power. It's not going to be pretty. And this is why the midterm elections are so important. This is why we have to con- constantly 
be pushing the truth out there to counter the narrative of the left and the lies of the left. Again, um, just I want to point this out again. CNN rebukes students' claims of scripted questions, even though they have a long history of it. Because in their statement, they said, CNN did not provide scripted questions for anyone in last night's town hall, nor have we ever. Hashtag uh, CNN debate questions for Hillary Clinton. No, wait, wait a second. What wasn't? What's her face? Um, Donna Brazil. Brazil. Yeah, yeah. Donna Brazil. No, yeah. we don't. We don't. Per- no, no. But it's it's so script. funny. They uh, anybody who is saying anything that is uh, critical of these children that they're parading around, or their message, CNN's message that the children are giving, is you know called a hater and intolerant, uh, a monster. Yet as soon as one of the actual survivors of the shooting, a hero. Call CNN out for not allowing him to ask his own questions, instead being handed scripted questions. They call him a liar, and then lie in their own apology or, or denial of being called liars. It's but, but insane. This under the banner of quote real journalism. Yeah, this a, is a banana, banana is not an apple, or an apple yeah, is not this, a banana. Did you see the latest one? This is a box of apples. Okay, yeah, a box of apples. <laughs> It's so funny. Yeah. Anyway, we but, have our hey, guests. Occupy 2018. Go to uh, CoachDaveLive.com. Occupy 2018. We're going to be there if you want to uh, look. Register. Register. Let's let's blow the walls out. Occupy 2018. Go to CoachDaveLive.com. We're going to be there April 20, 21, and 22. I'm missing some important events to be there. So, um, hey, come on, come on, register and and let's uh, let's have a chat about this very issue. Honeybee is on with us right now. Um, the one and only Honeybee who we had in our office, in our studio, in a tremendous, uh, documentary in the trailer to the documentary. If you haven't seen it, it's, it's there. You've got to look at it. Um, and of course, uh, what is it? Kids, 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 Inc. Kids Inc. I'm sorry. I can't read. I'm getting old. Kids Inc. documentary. Right. And let me tell you something, okay? Uh, good stuff. Important stuff down right. Zeroes is right in on on the 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 pedophilia problem. Of course, um, some people, including but not limited to publications such as the Rolling Stone, uh, they wouldn't know pedophilia if you hit them on the head with it. And of course, I guess you've got to go down to, in my view, I have to say that in my view, couched in my view. Of course, that that won't mean much anymore, you know, later. But um, but anyway, I, I don't want to take any more time up from the honeybee. Let's uh, bring her on, Melissa. Welcome back to the show. Yeah. Hey guys, what's going on? How are you? Angry. Frustrated. <laughs> there is a uh, lot going on and much to do. That is for sure. Where where do you want to start in this mess of uh oh my goodness. I, I, I uh, pick a spot. Well, we can start with the um the family first uh you know, uh act that was signed into law. Um, just a couple weeks ago by the president. Um, it's called the Family First Preservation Services, uh, Prevention Services Act. Um, a lot of people are really excited about it. Uh, this is a law, uh, this was a bill that was put out uh, a few years ago. It's been killed uh, a few times, but I feel like they rushed into this one, um, just so the government wouldn't shut down. This was what kind of tipped it over to, to get the funding in there and, and everyone kind of agreed. Um, they're kind of making it seem like they're they're making it so that kids go right into their immediate families before they go into foster care. Uh, that's really not exactly what this bill is doing. 
So there, there's uh, a little bit, a tiny bit of money that was going towards foster care agencies. You know, the government gives huge incentives. Um, there's a quota for how many kids are supposed to be in the foster care institutions um, and whatnot. If they have special needs, they get even more money. And, you know, you get paid every day for how many kids you have in that that particular agency or center or, or you know, institution, home. Um, and it's, you know, that's how they, they run a business of, of having these kids taken out of regular homes and put into the state's care. Um, they're taking a little bit of that money that's usually given to the foster care agencies and they're funneling it into uh, preventative services and, and services that will help families uh, mainly with uh, addiction issues um, and things of that nature where they're, they're kind of helping families inside the home as opposed to taking the kids out. Um, there isn't a lot of changes with the incentives that go to foster care. Um, there's definitely still the issue of medical kidnap, which will not cease to exist until we rip down the whole thing and, and start from scratch and, and really try to make sure we abolish the way that CPS is set up and destroy the incentives uh, that they put out there for people to have kids you know, equal a monetary fund, I mean, for, for what they're doing. I mean, it, it's really uh, Kids Incorporated. That's why the documentary is called that, um, because there is a whole layer of this that goes on above, you know, the general public's knowledge. It's the people that actually have to go through this um, that have their kids snatched away for no reason, usually fabricated lies, fabricated medical issues, um, where, you know, parents are left like, where do I go? Who do I turn to? It's the it's the state that is doing this to me. So they've turned to people like us uh, to help them, places like Medical Kidnap, people like Lori Handrahan, um, who, who have been looking into this for a long time. Um, we look to Nancy Schaefer, uh, who unfortunately lost her life. Uh, she was murdered. Um, supposedly it was a murder-suicide by her husband. I don't believe that for a second. She had just put out a book, and she was putting out a documentary, um, and this was all a senator from Georgia who was running for Congress, who was calling these guys out with numbers and statistics and facts about how CPS is selling kids. Uh, unfortunately, uh, bless her soul, she's not with us anymore because of her work, but we will... We'll carry on for her. That's what we're doing right now. You know, it's it's interesting, Melissa. And by the way, we have met her, met the honeybee. That's of course her nickname. I guess that's her nickname. Um, uh, we've met Melissa. Well, when I say it, you say nickname, pseudonym. Uh, it's yeah, it fits. Kind of like Sawman. You know, it's it's that uh, persona. But we've met her in person. She is a, a true warrior uh, for the truth. But I want to say this. I find it very interesting. You're talking about CPS. There are defenders of the CPS system out there right now, and they're the very people who are taking us to task, trying to get us shut down for even mentioning CPS, even talking about this, and, and you can see it on their on their uh, blog, uh, blogs plural about how they they are are saying, well, you know, every every agency, you know, every Melissa, every agency has got their problems, and it's all being overblown. Yet when you look into the very people publishing this, and and I'm I'm saying this, and I, and you know who I'm talking about. It's very interesting that you you yourself had your own family situation with CPS back in the night. 1980s, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. I find it very interesting, uh, but uh, I digress. And for that, I, I will just leave that alone. But but yes, you've done a very good job with Kids Inc. 
that documentary. Of course, go to Honeybee's uh, YouTube channel. There it is right there. You've got to watch that trailer. And it says a lot about CPS medical kidnapping, reuniting families with their children, ultimately is the objective, and Melissa's behind it. Okay. I've had my, my said my piece, Melissa. Go ahead. And, cause I'm going to read, now I'm going to read, I guarantee you, I will read what I just said in print. It'll be sent to me in the form of a document. <laughs> but go ahead. Uh, continue on. Well, yeah, sure. The, the documentary is really delving into these issues and how parents are dealing with the corruption, um, you know, with the lies, with the, it's, it's like mafia. It's a mafioso sort of situation, um, where you have smaller agencies that are contracted out by the state, by CPS to do their bidding. So a lot of these families are, are dealing with people that are not actually, uh, certified or licensed or have any education. Um, they're dealing with these smaller privately contracted, uh, CPS affiliates that go into the house that make the decisions on if the kids are, are going to come or go. Um, and this is where the fabrication starts. This is where paperwork gets lost. Um, this is where, you know, police uh, brutality, police intimidation comes in. Um, there's some sort of, uh, I'm not sure if it's uh, because CPS is kind of overseeing this whole thing, but the police being involved in this situation is is probably the most scariest part for these families. Um, you have uh, this family that we've been working with in Ohio. Um, the, the police got involved. They stormed in the house without knocking. Um, There's no warrant or anything like that. Um, and the next day, five kids are taken out of the house on fabricated evidence. And this is stuff that we have documents of. We have all of the answers. And we also have footage of us confronting these agencies, asking the tough question, going to court, and sitting in these sessions uh, with these families and getting their kids back. Um, it is very calculated situation on how they actually get the money. So foster parents have to have kids for a certain amount of time. They're guaranteed the money after that six months. The state is guaranteed a certain amount of money after a certain amount of time. So they usually hold the children up until this very moment, and then they're like, okay, we'll give the kids back. But they're they're definitely assured to get those thousands of dollars that, you know, the government will give to them. You know, there's an incentive to do this. Um, the medical kidnapping part of this, though, that is the scariest part of it, because then you have the medical institutions, um, which hold a lot of weight and credibility in the courtroom, especially when there is a child that has a special need or um, a behavioral issue. Um, we we saw uh, Trisha in Oregon. Um, she had one special needs child that she had a difference uh, maybe of opinion with the doctor. The doctor uh, had done something that he wasn't supposed to do. Trisha you know, she's not a doctor. She doesn't know. But what actually happened to her son, Max, um, ended up coming back on her, even though it was the doctor's decision, uh, even though she felt uncomfortable with it in the first place. Um, it comes back on her, and they take her son away, along with his three other siblings, one of them, an infant who is 12 days old, taken from this woman, and then they slap a gag order on her. Um, she creates a website. She's getting all the support, you know, from her friends and family, testifying that she is a good parent. You know, this is not her, her fault. This is the doctor that made this decision. How could it be her fault? I mean, these are the kinds of stories where you're just like, how did they get away with this stuff? 
You know, and you think about, we worked with the leaders in Ohio, that's five children. Okay, that's $800 per kid per month. Whoever cashed in on that, making huge money now, they don't even have the kids. They were sent back home. Thank God they were sent back home. But this woman is still getting her money, you know, with Trisha. She still hasn't had her kids come back yet. Uh, she can't talk about her case to anybody. You know, that's four kids, two with special needs. Huge money. These are jackpot situations for CPS and the agencies that work with them. And, you know, on top of that, you've got the abuse factor. These kids are put into group homes. They're like clearing houses for kids coming in and out. I mean, if you look at the statistics of kids that are actually going to foster care, most of them end up dropping out of school, getting pregnant before the age of 17, uh, usually on the streets trying to escape their foster families and foster homes and, and prostituting themselves, getting into situations where they're with people that don't have their best interests in mind. Not only that, they're being sexually abused and prostituted in the foster homes because there's absolutely no oversight for these people. And that's a perfect example of Devani in Arizona, the little girl that was taken away from her mother, Michelle, fabricated evidence. They told her that she was on drugs. She had a 10-panel test saying that she was clean. Um, she had prior drug problems 13 years before. and You know, not, not even... I mean, Devani wasn't even a twinkle in her eye yeah. at that point. It's amazing um, how they... The excuses and things that they use to be able to enforce yeah, this it's tyranny on people. It is insane. And the medical aspect of this makes it so much more troubling because then you get into... Uh, the debate, well, if you don't vaccinate your children, is that, you know, some sort of, uh, of child abuse? And, and just, uh, while I was saying that, I thought of, uh, the gym teacher, or a teacher who was, uh, charged with child abuse for making her students stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. That's a separate thing. But, yeah, I mean, how far can this go as far as the, the medical aspect of this? You know, if you don't get your kid a flu shot or a vaccine, is that, you know, where they're going to go next with this? in order to try to take children away. And it's it's uh, infuriating this, to hear uh, the heart-wrenching cases that we, we see with, with CPS and this uh, whole industry. And what's really unfortunate and sad is, is some of the examples you give where, uh, you know, there's no attempt to rectify uh, the, the children with the parents and even children are lost and sold, which is unfathomable to me, especially when a government organization is the ones who are supposed to be in control and protecting those children. And then you get into the workers of the CPS and how many of those people have shady history, especially in dealing with children. And there's so many angles here, and it's a, it's just a sad all the way around. Yeah, for sure, um, for, especially in Devani's case. I mean, if, if you really look into the details of it, she was taken from her mother uh, and put with a, a man who not only sexually abused her, uh, but was running a pedophile ring out of his home for years um, with 15 other children that are just coming forward, going and taking them to court again. Um, this was back in 2016. He was arrested with another military gentleman named uh, Randall Bishak. Uh, the man that was arrested, his name is David Frodsham, and they, they refer to him as the foster parent, um, but really, in fact, he is a G1 force commander for NETCOM out of the Humphreys military base in Arizona. I mean, he is a military commander. Isn't He's that convenient? 
Yes, exactly. And he he'd been given children. I mean, they were they knew what was going on. Parents were complaining and saying, "Hey, my kid's being sexually abused by this man." And they turn it around on the parents, like the parents are crazy, the parents are fabricating. But no, in fact, she was literally raped the whole time she was there. And she wasn't even taken out of the home for that. He got caught drunk driving, picking up uh, his foster care check with her in the back seat. That's why they finally took Devaney out of the home. It was only discovered later that he was running a sex trafficking pornography ring with multiple children out of his home. Um, not only did they take her out of there and put her in another foster home, they put her with a woman who who literally <laughs> burned her alive in hot scalding water where 80% of her body was third-degree burns. Her skin was falling off, and her, she had organ failure, and they've amputated all of her toes. This is a five-year-old kid, okay, who's been in foster care from yeah. pretty much day one. Foster care, adoptive home, placement after placement, this kid's getting abused. Like, life-and-death situations for these kids, guys. This is the kind of stuff that we addressed in the documentary, um, along with the whole pedophile normalization process that's going on that you know I, you know, every day I'm fighting um, on the front lines. So, Well, Lisa, could think. let me ask you this. Uh, what are some of the remedies, what actions could people take against, you know, to get their kids back, against the CPS, against the government? Uh, and I know... Um, it's a it's a kind of a gray area in, in dealing with these cases. Each individual case has its own uh, twists and angles and whatnot. But mm-hmm. how do people? What are the remedy for people who have been slighted or or uh, their their lives have been upended over this over false charges? Or, or what are there remedies for people to take to to stop this or intervene in this process? There there definitely is a way to get it so you're you have a solid case against your accusers. Um, document every single thing that you have. Keep everything. I mean, that record phone calls. I don't care if it's not okay in your state, and maybe I'll get in trouble for saying that, but this is your kids, okay? This is your children, um, and it's their word against yours. It is not like the olden days when you were, you know, innocent until proven guilty. They will just snatch your kids away and ask questions later. That is the reality of the situation. So you need to be prepared. You need to protect your children with information and proof. And proof that you're a good parent. Proof that you, you know, you take care of your kids. Have it ready. Be prepared that this might happen to you. Because I'm telling you guys, it doesn't matter if you're underprivileged or you're, you know, on welfare or if you have a high-paying, you know, $200,000 a year job, you work in Hollywood, you know, or you're working for the for the State Department. These are all people that we've talked to, you know. They all have had this happen to them, <laughs> and it's, it's horrifying. So prepare yourself with, with knowledge, with information, and also there's people like myself and like Anthony Kadornaga, who is the director of Kids, Inc. that I've been working with, Heather Mittendorf, who's been going through this herself with her own children for the longest time, um, other families that are coming together. I mean, we really are taking control of the of the narrative. We're taking it back, uh, and we're, we're sharing our stories and making it public. Even if there's gag orders, we're getting that story out, and I think that's the most 
well, know, strong thing that we've been able to do. In a segue to that, perfect segue is the fact that we, the conservatives, the truth tellers, have had have experienced recently this this censorship of of our social networking feed, our YouTube feed, uh, as you have. Uh, you pointed this out where, uh, the YouTube tactic is clear as day to you, to us. It's a targeted strike against those people, uh, telling the truth. Tell us about what your experience with respect to attempting to shut you down, attempting to, to shut you up and shut you down with respect to what's sure. going on. Sure. Well, for everybody that's in the truth movement, um, we all got shut down between the 20th and the 21st. 1st of, of February. This will be like the day that we always remember when Twitter and Facebook actually work together to dynamically destroy everyone's platform somehow. Um, YouTube demonetized everybody uh, literally overnight and then Twitter uh, locked people out of their accounts and then deleted followers. Um, there's a lot of controversy over what was going on. I haven't really heard a statement from YouTube or Twitter about what the hell happened. But, um, you know, we're slowly picking up the pieces and regaining followers. And we found some really great places to use for alternative platforms like Steemit or BitChute, um, Gab, you know, places that offer freedom of speech um, and a place to, to be, you know, speaking about truth without without being shut down. Amen. Um, there's an attack on on this movement, uh, and they're they're hitting us in the wallet. But now they're actually hitting us with, uh, you know, deleting our profiles, erasing our videos, and unfollowing and unsubscribing people uh, to bring the morale down. Exactly. And look, whether whether people like this or not, whether they know this or not, you are right now involved in a war in this country. And somebody just is going to have to tap you on the shoulder and explain it to you. Look, you're involved. It, it doesn't matter what your station in life is, how big your channel is, how uh, small it is. We are in a war, and we're actively fighting it. Joe, I uh, go ahead. Uh, no, because I just saw you. No, uh, what I wanted to ask you about, uh, Melissa, was uh, in the, with the social media censorship. Do you think were you affected by the Russian bot purge that we saw earlier this week? Oh yeah, that's like what they're calling it. Right. I mean, I didn't, I didn't have any Russian bots. All the people that were unfollowed, I had to message, message them and ask them to follow me back. And I actually did that on my, on my Twitter page. And I think it annoyed some people, uh, because you had a lot of the, you know, the, the extreme left, uh, laughing it up at the expense of all the crazy right wing, you know, conspiracy nuts, uh, that the bots were like their only followers. I mean, I didn't, I didn't lose followers that were bots. I lost real people that I talk to all the time on Twitter that are actually verified accounts with check marks. Uh, so this wasn't like, uh, <laughs> this wasn't a bot attack on me at least. I mean, they, they legit deleted people that are not robots. And, yeah. you know, yeah. you know, I'm struggling to get them back. I know Craig Sawyer lost like a thousand people. Yeah, we all did. Gab AI though is is a key. I think. I don't uh, think I lost any. But one one thing uh, when we talked to Jack Posobiec yesterday, and I don't know how true this is, apparently what they're doing is they have a page for people who they suspected were bots, where it gives them a chance to um, prove that they're not by linking their account to a phone number yeah. or other ways to to go to try to correct that. So you might see some of those accounts slowly. Uh, come back or, or be reactivated after or if they go through that process. But we know it has nothing to do with Russian bots. It has everything to do with silencing the opposition. These people can't win with uh, on the arguments. They, they 
have lost the, the truth. They've lost the common sense. They've lost most of America, so now they have been reduced to censoring and silencing their opponents. And they do this on YouTube through demonetization and Twitter through shadow banning and blocking. And it's only going to get worse from here. So we have to continue to do what you said and find these other platforms, branch out, and continue to affect change where we can. Uh, the honeybee, right. Melissa Zachariah, go to her web, uh, YouTube channel and check out the trailer for Kids Inc., the documentary. And you can follow her at the honeybee on Twitter. Melissa, thank you so much for joining what us. A great job. Very informative segment. Thank you guys. Be well. Take care. God bless. I'll talk to you soon. Support, Support Melissa. Support and we will her have work. her back on, uh, as we continue to move forward as these, um, stories are just horrific about the, CPS and, and medical kidnapping. It's uh, something we've dealt with in the past with uh, other people in their cases, and it's so hard. Of, it's such a hard issue and very complex. Um, and it's a problem that we see, uh, like most, are continuing to increase and go unchecked. We'll be right back after this with Keith Hansen. Isn't it interesting that the U.S. media apparatus, specifically for current events, CNN and Jake Tapper, they're narrative engineers. They're, they're using uh, indoctrinated children to advance. They're manipulating and indoctrinating children to advance their, their progressive uh, liberal lobotomized liberal mindset and we've seen this uh, in the history of Fabian political advancement children have always been a focal point for advancing their authoritarian control objectives I just quoted to you the opening paragraph of uh, schoolboy Car- uh, uh, Cameron Kasky that from conservative treehouse but that's to the point and of course our guest now Keith Hansen uh, is going to be talking about this indoctrination we had him on last week he's on today uh, a couple of reasons to, to talk about this Fabian socialist this Marxist kind of indoctrination manipulation of the school children in the wake of the Florida shooting as well as we want to follow up too on his television show so Keith Hansen welcome a great friend of the program by the way welcome to the show Hey, Doug, Joe, how are you guys this evening? Great to be here. Well, it's great to have you. And I know you do like 20 hours of radio a day. It's just you're a machine. So, uh, <laughs> Kent, uh, well, I guess, uh, number one, two things. So, number one, I've got the face for radio. And number two, I was born with the gift of gab. So I guess it well, kind of uh, kind of works out in my favor. So, But uh, I, uh, I'm, I'm getting pretty close here to putting this day to bed, sitting down with a scotch and a cigar, and uh, just trying to forget about everything. Because I'll tell you, you know, just when you think, just when you think things are kind of getting back to some sense of normalcy, bam, you know, you get this that's dropped on you. And, uh, you know, I, I guess, I don't know, maybe I, maybe I got to take my rose-tinted glasses off for a second here, because I really thought that maybe, maybe, you know, a couple of months after Trump gets into office that, uh, you know, these people were going to settle down, that things were going to kind of go back to a sense of normalcy. Maybe we could actually enjoy, you know, the, the, the kind of the feeling that was, that was present, at least the, the feeling that I remember from the 80s. Um, but, uh, no, no. I mean, there, there is, there is no doubt in my mind, um, you know, that, that we are in a full blown de facto state of war with leftist progressives. There is no question about it. 
Gee, I, that's what I, I've been saying all day. We are at war. I, I think somebody ought to tap others on the shoulder and wake them up and say, hey, whose side are you on? Uh, this Orwellian uh, soup that we're seeing, the uh, the manipulation, the indoctrination, that the Marxist uh, uh, environment that, that, we're, that we're seeing. So, so um, I, I don't know whether we should talk... Look, you've got a new endeavor. Before we get into the heavy stuff, I I just want to mention your Keith Hansen television program. Uh, let, let's uh, be before too much scotch and too many cigars. Let's mention that. Uh, <laughs> not hitting the uh, not hitting the single mall quite yet. That'll be after okay. the, uh, the All segments. Right. But, uh, All right. <clears throat> so, so, so the uh, yeah yeah the television show great opportunity. Uh, we're going to be broadcasting in about forty percent of uh, the northern forty percent of New Han- of uh, New York, uh, about ninety seven percent of Vermont, and the western seventy percent of uh, New Hampshire um, initially. Now, this is kind of a dual fo- uh, two-fold project. Number one, I mean, we're, we're producing these shows. Uh, the first taping is on March 13th. Um, so we're filming these shows for a finished product for what's called Yankee Communications Network. Um, or YCN. Um, and so if you're up in that area in uh, upstate New York, if you're in uh, Vermont or New Hampshire, you can pick that up terrestrially. You can also pick that up on you know, uh, DirecTV, Dish Network, Spectrum, TDS, um, all that stuff. It, it hits about 1.1 million homes, um, so it's a good start. But I'm also working with a couple of national executive producers because they're they're looking to take this concept, um, and there's a couple of different outlets that they're looking to, uh, to sell this to. So the intention in working with these two national executive producers Producers is that this will get picked up um, probably in, in, in relatively short order. Well, so awesome. it's a it's a great opportunity, and it seems to be like it's a natural segue um, from from what I'm doing because people are just hungry for this message. Um, so you know, it, it just really presents a really good opportunity for me. I'm excited about it. We've got a lot of really really good people on my team who are working to make this a reality, and uh, so I'm just I'm, I'm blessed to have the people that I have around me who who believe in the message and believe in the project. Uh, and are, are endeavoring to move it forward as quickly as possibly and as professionally as possible. And that's awesome. And we wish you uh, as much success as you can take on that, and, and we'll promote it uh, here on the Hagman Report as well. Keith, I want to uh, get to some of these newer reports that we're seeing um, from a law enforcement perspective. Now, now we can get into the bad stuff, or not the bad <laughs> stuff, the, the twisted stuff. Yeah, we yeah. Uh, today we learned of a sheriff, a Broward County sheriff deputy resigning or being fired because apparently he was arrived at the school or supposed to to be at the school and he never went in. And I want to ask you from a law enforcement perspective, uh, was this officer, was the sheriff deputy following the standard uh, operating procedure for a shooting event? And why I'm asking this is because we've seen so many times, especially in Las Vegas, where law enforcement's on the scene, they have identified where the shoot is, and then, you know, we saw them wait for an hour for SWAT to come. This mm-hmm. sheriff's deputy apparently stayed outside the building, and the, the sheriff has issued that he didn't draw his weapon and go in. Was this officer mm-hmm. following procedure, or, or is he um, was he in the wrong here? Well, I, I mean, you know, certainly, I, and I don't know all of the information, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to preface what I'm going to say is I'm, I'm, I'm speculating based on the information that I have from you and the fragmented information that I've gotten. Um, throughout the day today, but I mean, we can we can talk in terms of in general terms. Um, from the law enforcement training perspective, okay, um, you know, we we do have what's called the priority of life. 
Um, and the priority of life, officer safety is, you know, obviously a, a, a very, very important thing. Um, and, and, you know, the, the safety of, of innocent people, the safety of if you're, if you're dealing with hostages or things like that. But in an, in an active shooter situation, in a, in a, in a terrorist situation, in a terrorist siege, for instance, you know, officer safety really falls to, really to the third rung. Your officer safety is really only above, uh, the safety and apprehension of the suspect. You're really putting other people's lives first. So it's the safety of the innocence, the safety of, of, of the public, the safety of the innocence, then it's, you know, then, then you're getting into the officer safety apprehension of suspect. You know, there's, does law enforcement have a legal obligation to keep you safe? No, they don't. Um, you know, but certainly I think the expectation is that, well, these guys are going to charge in there, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to take control of the situation, because that's certainly how they're training. Um, you know, it used to be, um, and really Columbine was the game changer. But prior to Columbine, you know, first responding officers in an active shooter situation or a hostage siege or something, they would establish a perimeter. Um, they would assess the scene. They would call in SWAT. They'd call in backup. And, and you know, basically they're, they're in a holding pattern. Today, what we're teaching officers is first person there grabs a go bag, grabs a patrol rifle or whatever type of weaponry they happen to have at their disposal. And you get in and you head, you know, the phrase is head towards the known. So if you hear gunfire coming from the library, then you grab your go bag and your rifle and you get your ass in there and you stop the killing. You know, because the majority of deaths occur in an active shooter situation in the first 90 seconds. So when you look at any of these mass killings, active shooter, school shooter situations, the majority of deaths are occurring in the first 90 seconds, statistically. Because, you know, because what's happening is as people hear gunshots, now they're starting to spread out. So the availability of additional victims, which is critical to the definition of what an active shooter situation actually is, it's a person who's engaging in aggressive, deadly behavior who has already taken lives and has unrestricted access to additional victims. That's important in defining what an active shooter situation is. So as time elapses, now you have more and more people that are running, seeking cover, hiding, leaving the scene, so on and so forth. So the availability of additional victims now begins to exponentially decrease. So that's why the greatest concentration. Most people, you know, okay, the shooting pops off, nobody's expecting it, some, you know, so you're in a densely populated area, it's shooting fish in a barrel as they start to spread out. Now, of course, it's harder and harder and harder to find those additional victims. Um, was he, you know, was, was he liable for that um, from a criminal standpoint? No, because he wasn't necessarily contributing to additional deaths. Certainly the expectation would be that he would get in and stop that killing. But you know what? People are human. And a lot of times, you know, that's one of the reasons that we train and we train people over and over and over again. And we try to bring more realistic training to the scenarios and to the, so when I say scenarios, to the setups. There's something called stress inoculation and immersion. And what we try to do is, and, and we can't do this. I cannot, in a training scenario, recreate, you know, the environment that's going to drive you to that, you know, to that, that heightened state of awareness. The blood is pounding, tunnel vision, you know, auditory exclusion, uh, 175 heart rate, that adrenaline dump, the, the, the decrease of cognitive abilities, the shutoff of the prefrontal cortex, the firing of the amygdala. I can't recreate that in a training environment. I can try and do my best, but nobody really knows how people are going to react until they're actually in that life or death situation. 
And so that's something that you have to look at. What was the capacity of this person? Was he a sworn officer? I don't know. Was he a security officer? Was he a resource officer? Was he a guy who was in good shape? Was he a guy who was six months away from retirement? Um, or is this just a guy who got scared? You know, if I'm armed with a 9mm semi-automatic pistol and I got somebody in there with an AR-15, he's got a tactical advantage over me. Okay, so I don't know. This person could have just simply succumbed to fear, and you know, we 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 call it the limbic response: fight, flight, or freeze. He may have opted for the flight response, which is you know, it's it's it's, it's human nature. You would think that a law enforcement officer or a first responder would not succumb to that, but again, it's it's human. No, 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 the way you frame that, if I was a progressive, uh, lobotomized liberal, I might say, well, there you go. That's why AR-15s should be banned. I mean, here you got a 9 mil, the, the officer's outgunned, which is, I, I can see that, that argument being made, again, by the, you know, CNNs of the world, but, but, it, but essentially what we're saying here is, um, no, I think, I think you said it best, you know, uh, we're dealing with humans and, uh, Responses. So, I mean, I, you know, I, I, at this point, I can only speculate because, like I said, I don't know all of the information. I don't know the facts. I don't know what capacity he was operating in, um, so on and so forth. But, you know, I'm, I'm certainly hearing over and over and over and over again the same parroted narrative that it's it's the guns. And you and I have had the conversation uh, in the past, Doug and Joe, about the um, you know the, this, this, the psychotropic medications, and this is something that uh, I spent a lot of time talking about uh, on my program, and, and I've, I've been a guest on a number of other programs over the past week, and, and have certainly introduced the dialogue um, about the, the, the. Let's put it. Let's be frank. The, uh, the the numbers of these active shooter, school shooter situations that are perpetrated by individuals who are on selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. These anti-anxiety medications, these these uh, antidepressant medications, and these anti-ADD, ADHD drugs. Um, you know, 20 percent. Well, you know, you might have my attention. 30 or 40 percent. Huh. Well, you know, yeah, maybe there's something to be said about that. But we're talking, you know, equal to or greater than 95 percent. And these aren't numbers that I'm pulling out of a hat. This is information that comes directly from after-action reviews and studies by the FBI, by the Department of Justice, and by the National Institute for Justice, who are responsible for compiling all of this information, all of these data, and releasing crime reports. And so ever since 1985, when they started to look at this, what they've noticed is that the, the school shooters, the active shooters, the people that are taking up weapons and walking into these public places and mowing people down, by and large, overwhelmingly, in the high 90s, have a history of being medicated with, with selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. And I want to read you something. Um, this is from a uh, this is from a, an academic uh, article uh, entitled "Suicidality, Violence, and Mania Caused by Selective Serotonin Reuptake Inhibitors." This was a, a, an article written by uh, or a paper, an academic paper uh, written and published by Dr. Peter Bregan uh, in the 2003 edition of Ethical Human Sciences and Services. And I just want to read you the paragraph, the opening abstract paragraph. Quote. Selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, or SSRIs, commonly cause or exacerbate a wide range of abnormal mental and behavioral conditions. These adverse drug reactions include the following overlapping phenomena. 
a stimulant profile that ranges from mild agitation to manic psychosis, agitated depression, obsessive preoccupations that are alien or uncharacteristic of the individual, and akathisia. Each of these reactions can worsen the individual's mental condition and can result in suicidality, violence, and other forms of extreme abnormal behavior. Evidence for these reactions appears in case reports, controlled clinical trials, and epidemiological studies in children and adults. Recognition of these adverse drug reactions and withdrawal from the offending drugs can prevent misdiagnosis and worsening of iatrogenic disorders. Awareness of the link between SSRIs and these particular adverse reactions also has forensic applications in criminal malpractice and product liability cases. Now, this is one of several thousand academic papers that have linked SSRIs to creating an uptick in suicidality and uh, homicidal ideations, uh, as well as manic episodes. It's it's banning the SSRIs. It's simple as that, but go on. I'm sorry. Well, you know, and and and, and so I've taken, you know, obviously people who lack critical thinking skills in any form of a framework of analysis just come and say, well, you can't, you know, there's a lot of people that take SSRIs and they don't kill people. No, that's right. There are lots of people that take SSRIs and don't kill people. But when the majority of people engage in mass killings have a history of being medicated by these drugs, better than 95%, I think there's a connection that needs to be looked at. This is something that's of serious concern. All of these people, all of the, you know, and I don't like naming the names, but when you look at all of the mass killers, they all have a common link. They have all been prescribed anti-anxiety, antidepressant drugs, or anti-ADD, ADHD drugs, or a cocktail thereof. You know, and let's not forget hmm. that, you know, this is a, this is a multi, you know, I want to talk conspiracy theories. Okay, well, we can get into this when we talk about big pharma. GlaxoSmithKline in 2012 settled with the Department of Justice for misrepresentation, fraud, and unethical and illegal marketing practices to the tune of $3 billion. They paid $3 billion to settle both criminal and civil complaints from the Department of Justice surrounding Avandia, Wellbutrin, and Paxil, three of the most popular SSRIs. And a big part of what they were, they were alleged to have done was to cover up clinical studies that suggested that Paxil was one of the leading causes of an uptick in suicidality and homicidal ideations. Which, interestingly enough, if you go to the PDR, the physician's desk reference, and you look up Paxil peroxetine, which is its, its, uh, its, its actual name, what you'll find is that the FDA hasn't even approved Paxil for use in, in adolescent or, uh, or pediatric patients. But yet it's routinely being prescribed to people who are, uh, you know, under the age of 18. And it's also used in a cocktail of drugs. Now, the practical experience that I have with this is in part of a significant portion of my career has been running juvenile justice facilities, juvenile boot camp programs, juvenile detention facilities, juvenile impact incarceration programs. And from a clinical perspective, which I don't get into because I'm not a clinician, but what I have seen time and time again is when there is a, 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 a child who we are responsible for their care, custody, and control, and they have a, uh, an, an issue of, of uh, violent outburst, the first reaction is to up the meds. So the clinicians are going in and they're saying, okay, well, if this kid is getting 30 milligrams of Lexapro, let's up it to 40 milligrams, and let's just see if we can medicate him into compliance. 
So the problem is, and exactly what Dr. Peter Bregan had alluded to in his white paper, is that you may be treating an initial, an initial psychiatric condition, but what other undiagnosed underlying psychiatric conditions is that selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor now exacerbating or causing a conflict with? And ultimately, we have to look at it in one simple way. You are using chemical substances to alter the brain chemistry of a young person whose brain has not yet begun to fully develop. There's the ticket right there. That's one statement I think says it all. You're, you're using and I, you know, chemical and, and, substance. And, yeah. and I'm not, not going to profess to be an expert on this, and I don't want anybody to take my word for this as, as gospel, but let what I'm saying become the first step in you doing your own research to do this, because this information is out there, and the connections are out there, and the stories are out there about people who have had these adverse reactions, who have gone suicidal, who have who have become homicidal, um, who have had absolute manic manic episodes as a result of taking these types of drugs. Very, and you look at that, you, you know, I, you know, I talk I talk to so many people, uh, you know, who've called into the radio program, and I've asked them. I said, you know, I talk to people who are fifty years old, sixty years old. Okay, did you have a riflery team when you were a kid? Oh yeah, we had the riflery team in the school. Okay. Oh, yeah. Well, yep. did you have people who showed up in the parking lot, you know, with with rifles and shotguns in their cars because they were going hunting after school? Oh, of course. You know, did anybody ever pull out guns and shoot the school up? Oh, no. Okay. Well, let's talk about the uh, let's talk about the family. How many kids that you went to school with actually had a nuclear family? We're coming from a nuclear family with a mother and father and the 2.3 kids. Yep. And most of the people say 75 to 80% of them. So yep. how many kids did you see who were taking medications because they were at 11 or 12 or 13 years old suffering from anxiety disorders and depression disorders? None of them. There you go. So, you know, you want to know what the problem is? The problem starts with the breakdown and the destruction and the deterioration of the American family and the disappearance of the American man from the family. I, I and then totally from agree. there, we can yep. get into yep. all the other issues, and then we can get into now the, all these kids have issues, and so what happens? Now the pharmaceutical companies see a human silhouette with an open mouth just waiting to consume the drugs that they have, which are not designed to cure a problem. They're not designed to fix a problem. They're designed to create a customer for life. Think Pez dispensers for yeah, yeah, you're precisely correct on this. And, and, and you know the media turns a blind eye, of course, to this. The media's big thing. Well, it, it's a gun issue, of course. But but I am just when I think I can't be amazed. I'm amazed at CNN. I'm amazed at that town hall meeting. I'm amazed at the uh, leftist, progressive, lobotomized, liberal use of the children mm-hmm. uh, as weapon as weapons of mass uh, <clears throat> uh, distraction. And, and I'm, and I'm really glad right. that you brought that up. And I, you're, you're, you're probably thinking about the, and I'm, and I'm forgetting his name, but the boy. But I want to focus on the girl for a second. I want to focus on that Emma Gonzalez girl. Because Emma Gonzalez, you're, she, is, she is a budding social justice activist who the Democrat Party cannot wait to wind up bringing on board. She is perfect. Remember when Rahm Emanuel said, Never let a crisis go to waste. A crisis is a perfect opportunity to do things you couldn't normally do. This girl is the president of the what is it, the Gay Straight Alliance or the Gay Student Alliance. She's, a, she's an outspoken militant spokesperson for the LGBTQIA community yep. in that area. 
I absolutely guarantee you that if she was president of a pro-life anti-abortion group, you never would have seen her. You never would have heard of her. (laughs) But because she's already a student activist for social Marxist ideologies, now the leftist media comes along and says, you're perfect. Because not only are you an activist already, but best of all, you're a victim. So anybody who challenges your 100% absolute moral authority, we can now attack them as victim-shaming and victim-blaming. She's perfect. She is perfect. And, and um, same thing with that, that kid, David Hogg, you know, the uh, next anchor of CNN, already had mm-hmm. connections to CNN. And it's so what's infuriating about this is uh, today we see the story of um, a, a survivor, a hero of that shooting, who had called out CNN for disallowing him to ask his own questions and trying to script them instead. And what do we see? Uh, in true to form, CNN not only issues a denial calling the kid a liar, but goes on to say that they've never scripted anything ever in their history. It is, it's a joke at this point. I mean... Well, I mean, at this point, you've got people, you've got people who actually believe that CNN delivers news, and then you've got the rest of the population. And I've said this before, kind of tongue in cheek, but I think it bears repeating. CNN would have zero ratings whatsoever if it wasn't for bars and airport waiting terminals, and because that's pretty the much airports. the only places where you're going to find yeah. them. They yeah. pay to broadcast yep. in many yep. of those airports. Uh, the Tucker Carlson report showed that last week that the, over 60 mm-hmm. airports. Anywhere from a hundred to five hundred thousand dollars per airports. They even pay for the TVs to be installed and the maintenance on those TVs in the airports. I, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, CNN has become a joke. I mean, they're they're a caricature of a news organization. And you know, all I can do is hope that that they that they just eventually implode. Um, but I mean, I, I I don't think that anybody actually looks at CNN as uh, you know as a, as a bona fide news organization, except those who you know what what CNN serves to do is to to validate their leftist theories as it is. Uh, you know this uh, this this town hall that they had was you know <laughs> what I see when I see there I see some victims in there, but I see victims who are being exploited by progressive Democrats for their own gain for both political capital as well as actual monetary capital um and we've talked about this before the the monetization sure. of victims cultural warfare is absolutely necessary to the survival and the, the the progression of the democrat party because victims are money victims are a literal commodity for democrats um but what i see is a I see is a gathering of intellectually impotent people who have no critical thinking skills who are have have have, have cannot see beyond the the simple validation of their own limited intellect by politicians who are going to say, you're, you're, you're 100% right, we should ban guns, we should ban guns. But you know what? I don't really think that they want to ban guns. Because if they wanted to ban guns truly, they would have done it. They just want to ban guns from people whose views they don't agree with. But when you had, you had the, uh, the, the, the Reed, Pelosi, and Obama trifecta there, they, 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 they had the House, they had the Senate, they had the presidency, they could have very easily done it. But they didn't That's do it. Very true. And and just to recap this, what was the girl's name again that you mentioned that we should that you know everyone's focusing on this David Hogg Emma Gonzalez Emma Gonzalez Emma Gonzalez. All Emma right. Gonzalez. Because uh, folks, what Keith Hansen just said there, and tune into Keith Hansen Radio Show. Uh, just go to uh, Keith on the air. Follow him on Facebook um, as as well. But uh, very important, a very great observation. Keith got about thirty seconds left. Uh, plug anything uh 
your work? Um, well, I just uh, you know, I mean, all of the uh, all of the links. Follow me on Twitter. Um, you know, follow me on uh, on Facebook as well. The uh, you know, I, I stream or I don't stream. Well, we do stream, but uh, I also archive. Uh, you know, my four hour radio show uh, every single day. Plus, we have the TV show coming out, so I'll make sure that you guys have information on that. Follow me on Twitter at Real Keith Hansen. That's at Real Keith Hansen, um, or on Facebook at uh, facebook.com slash Keith on the air. Um, Keith, and Keith. Uh, all kinds of good uh, stuff. And all right. Yeah, we, we really appreciate you taking time out of your very busy schedule to appear with us uh, today. Thank you so very much, man. Uh, you are a machine. Again, My uh, pleasure, of... as always. Doug and Joe, have yourself a great night. God bless. Keep up the good work. Thank you. You right, too. Folks. Enjoy that scotch. Yeah. All right. I'm, oh, I plan on it. Have a great night, guys. All right. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Craig the Sawman Sawyer and talk about the latest bust in his organization, VetsForChildRescue.org. We'll be right back. Discussion in the studio. Oh my goodness! I'm glad there's no open mics, or or were there? There might have been. Oh no! Anyway, folks, this is the Hagman Report uh, for today. It's Friday or it's Thursday. It's uh, only in my mind. It's Friday. Stop the hammering. Um, Anyway, look, Sawman uh, Craig the Sawman Sawyer is coming up. I watched. uh, uh, In fact, my wife and I was funny. She came to the office today, and she was. We're watching a a video clip of Sawman with Gunny. You know, Gunny out there, the the, the Marine guy, and they were using. uh, I know they were shooting up watermelons and uh, paint cans, and it was a red, white, and blue Fiesta on the ground. Paint. It was just fabulous. Um, but uh, Craig Sawman Sawyer is a guy that could kill you with a napkin. I, I mean that. I, this guy, you, you don't want to mess with him. And kind of the, if you've noticed this theme today, the weaponization uh, factor, the children. And uh, there is somebody doing something about the perversion out there. Now, the last look, remember that show with Keith Hansen, uh, Catch Predator? Wasn't that the, the name of the show? To catch a predator, yeah. Right, okay. Just imagine, instead of Keith Hansen, you got Craig the Sawman Sawyer standing there. All right. I would be on my knees. I, in fact, I would, let me tell you something. The last place I would want to be is staring at Craig the Sawman Sawyer. Now, I was lucky enough, we were, both and I were fortunate enough to have uh, dinner with him and talk with him in Chicago. I think it was last year. I don't know what the mm-hmm. time last was. Last May. Okay. I got to tell you something. Okay. You don't want to mess with Craig the Sawman Sawyer, but people say, well, you know, Pedigate, oh, that's just, oh, that's a debunked conspiracy theory. Pizzagate, oh, it's such a debunked conspiracy theory. Well, let me explain to you about reality, okay, to those of you out there who celebrate the hit pieces in some of the garbage magazines that are so irrelevant that it's just beyond belief. Let me tell you what reality is. Reality is Craig the Sawman Sawyer out there busting these perverts. And by the way, I just happened to think of this. Scott Ritter, are you listening? Remember the former UN inspector? Hey, Scott Ritter, let me ask you about that time in Colony, New York, the uh, the suburb of Albany. Scott Ritter, weren't you caught uh, during your period of time as a United Nations weapons inspector at the Burger King or McDonald's, some fast food place? Uh, weren't you arrested? I'm just curious. I can't remember. It could very well be. And, of course, CPS. 
CPS, Child Protective Services, Kids, Inc. But we have somebody doing something about it. The biggest, by the way, the biggest mouthpieces, protectors, and excuse makers of, of uh, this kind of stuff out there are the very people who assail us publicly and privately. And uh, to you, I send a message uh, to you. Listen to Craig Sawman. So we're so glad to welcome to the program, Craig. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Doug and Joe. The pleasure. Appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Hey, uh, look at this, folks. The Manhattan Report is yeah. on vetsforchildrescue.org. Okay, this is the work of Craig Sawyer. This is his work. This is his, uh, shall we say, trophies. This is his uh, rescuing children. Yeah. Seven arrests. We want to talk about this, Craig, and, and if you want to get into this as much as you want. I had some questions. I had one question about some of the charges that were in there. But... Um, this is the latest in uh, an awesome body of work you're putting together. What was a tip? What led you to this area and to capture these people? Well, first I want to say um, this is a team effort. Man, I, I founded Vets for Child Rescue. I started from nothing, but we have a fantastic team of people, and this is federal and local law enforcement, multiple local law enforcement units. We've got canine SWAT team, highway patrol, uh, sheriff's department and local police departments all working together on this and the harmony would just inspire you if you could see it uh the adjacent units and how well they're working together on it so it's a cry and shame guys that the american public doesn't see this powerful and and real aspect of what our law enforcement are, are doing out there the good guys the white hats and it's it's a shame so i appreciate the kind words about you calling it my work it's not my work, man. I'm merely just a, a willing servant who, who, who decided to, to take action and, and carry forward a mission that I believed that I was supposed to do. And, and thank God, uh, good people are aligning with me. And as a team, we're getting this done. So yeah, it's, uh, important. it is very important. And who knows just in this latest bust, uh, how many children you've saved from abuse or exploitation or, or trafficking as uh, seven people and what's uh, one thing John pointed out is the occupation of some of these people from the military recruiter and and it's just amazing to see uh underground the kind of people that deal in the, in these uh, horrific crimes but I want to ask you about the charges there was a charge listed in that report of somebody who was charged with two counts of child rape when all the other charges were conspiracy uh can you clear that up for us i, I uh, I'll pull well, the article that's... here that lies with the federal and local authorities that are making those those charges. So our team, our part of it is the sting itself. So we give the perpetrators an opportunity to, to carry out their wishes. Uh, they're out there seeking a certain um, a certain activity. You know, they want to have sex with children. They're seeking them online. They're making the arrangements. And they want to make payment and 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 make agreement to do what they're doing. We give them. Uh, a place to do that, an opportunity to incriminate themselves and seek those um, activities that are unlawful. And then once they've, and then we give them a physical place to come carry that out. And then once they've incriminated themselves to the point where law enforcement has all that they need to prosecute and have a solid case, uh, I call in the SWAT team and they make the, they make the arrest. So after that, it's up to the, the DA or the prosecutor there as to what charges are most appropriate and how they carry those forth. And uh, man, I would hate to see a child predator get off 
due to something that I said uh, afterwards. So I'll just leave that to the professionals on that end. I'm lo- no longer federal law enforcement. I, I <laughs> once was, but now I'm just a guy running a nonprofit org in good faith. So one would stay in my lane. You know, one would argue, and I would be the, the one to argue that you're perhaps even more effective in the position that you're in right now as opposed to uh, federal or state or whatever commission law enforcement position you might have held. Uh, that's not the that's not to say anything about your former position. That's just saying that man, you you know you're you're actually really making a difference. And and I, you know, I look, I know it's a team effort, but um, but you, you really are the spark plug in in the engine that's well, you know taking care of this. Well, thank you, thank you. I think it's a matter of together we are what we can't be alone. There you look, go. We got- Federal and local law enforcement doing their jobs. Yeah, there there are all kinds. Some are do be- doing better than others. Uh, that with the children right now, that's my passion, and that's what Veterans for Child Rescue is all about. So we're going around the country and in different places where we can find DAs and chiefs of police that are willing to take action. We're aligning with them, and together it does seem like the magic combination. It is effective. We got 12 in the last about the last month. So I mean, and and as you pointed out, there are all walks of life. No demographic, by my observation, has been immune to this type of crime. It seems to infest the hearts and minds of every type of American. So uh, we really have to safeguard our communities against it, uh, our organizations. Take inward looks, make sure we're clean, you know, no matter what kind of organization we are. Uh, yeah. There's there's been members of that that have been uh, caught up in this. So as a nation, it's a beautiful thing that the, that the sunlight, sunshine's coming out now, and we're all starting to realize that we've got a serious problem, a serious threat against our children. And if we all play well together, we coordinate like we have been with these law enforcement units. Man, we can do some good things and make a safer tomorrow for our kids. Man, that's the soul of our nation. That's the future of our country, the kids. And that's why it really upsets me as a warrior, as a fighter, who wants my country strong and free, and I, and I want that sanctuary to remain for my children and my grandchildren and great-grandchildren, it ticks me off to see people deliberately destroying that and, and systematically shattering the minds of our youth. And so I'm passionate about this, this fight, and this is how I'm fighting back. I'm alerting 320 million Americans that we have a serious problem, and this is what's happening to our kids, um, and it's being suppressed by the mainstream news media and others. So very, it feels good to be able to have a, a positive effect, guys. Very eloquently stated indeed. Um, okay. And you're, you're also making a documentary as well. I, I don't want to, I'm afraid, I don't want to. Netflix special. Yeah, I, I don't want to give anything away here. Yeah, we, we absolutely are. And because that is, by my observation, my estimation, the most effective way to alert the entire American populace. I'm like uh, some kind of um, excited patriot running around banging pots and pans and flipping all the lights on, yelling, hey, America, wake up, look at this. <laughs> Here's where our children are disappearing to. Here is the horror that's happening to the little people. Here's the, 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 the shattering uh, of, our, of their little psyches. Here's what's going on, and, and no one else will tell you, but I'm privy to it through federal law enforcement investigations and everything else, intelligence community, I'm seeing into it. And now by our own operations, man, we're seeing it's prevalent. You don't have to wait but five minutes you put an ad out there. And these predators are all over it, folks. It's not 
a myth. It's not something imagined. And, and when the late night talk show hosts want to, uh, humiliate you and call you names for, for researching what's going on with our country and our kids, they are paid opposition. They are part of Soros's paid hit squad, if you will, as far as propaganda, uh, against the future of the uh, United States. Boy, Jimmy Kimmel, is, shame yeah. on him for, for calling, uh, some of these things conspiracy theories. I'll tell you right now, we've got the factual evidence already to show that it's, it's not a conspiracy theory. We're making arrests, folks, and it's happening quickly. There are thousands of responses to these ads. Yeah, and, uh, and some of the, the ads are only applicable to the surrounding area. So the, the overwhelming response is factual evidence that Jimmy Kimmel is a liar and others. So look, let's just shake off all the political, um, maneuvering and just, just take a deep breath, think with clear minds, research the evidence, look at the, the factual evidence laid out before us, look at the arrests, look at the cases, look at what's actually happening and tune out the, the paid talking heads and spokesmen that are, that are trying to humiliate you and shut you up and keep you from paying attention. Knowledge is power, Americans. Knowledge is power. Research, empower yourself with the understanding of what's happening. And I'm trying to help. That's why the documentary. The documentary is to alert the American populace, to empower them with what's really going on. That's why we're investigating and showing you what's really happening and, and bringing experts and witnesses and the perps themselves so you can hear into the minds of, of how these people work. So, hey, look, man, we've got to do it. We, right. we might as well know the truth. For, for those who are visually challenged, by the way, you can watch us on HagmanReport.com. You can watch us live, and these segments are uploaded to YouTube later. But for those who are vis- visibly or visually challenged at this point, uh, Craig, where can people go to find your documentary, your film, and as well as to donate to your, uh, you know, support your work? Where can people go? Well, we're not we're not federally funded. We don't have a big pot of money, man. We're doing all of this. On private donations, we've had to circumvent the gatekeepers and do this the hard way from the ground up. Private donations. So people are going to vetsforchildrescue.org, which is our website, and there's a donate link right right there. And you just click on it and it walks you through. That's what's made this happen, folks. That and the cooperation of our federal and local law enforcement agencies and officers. Uh, we've been just rolling up our sleeves and doing the heavy lifting and making this happen. Our decoy agents, our female decoy agents are heroes. Let me tell you guys, warriors, the combat veterans, if you don't think a tiny little old lady or a young teenage girl can fight for her country, you'd be mistaken. And and I hope that you watch Contraland later this summer or early this fall and witness these ladies fighting. They fight just as surely as you and I have. They They wear body armor to do what they do. Because there is a real and pressing threat, but what they're doing is courageous. They're online, they're on the phone, and they're luring in these predators, and they're interacting with them very closely, and they're bringing them in and giving them a chance to incriminate themselves and end up in cuffs. It's a beautiful thing. It's 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 justice, and they have a front row seat. And God bless our little ladies for, for pitching in. Some of them are tiny. doesn't matter what size woman it is. But it just so happens that ours are all little tiny things. And it's just, it's, it's humorous because of the irony of these tiny little females who these perpetrators don't think, uh, 
can take them down. They're standing right in front of the perp after he's cuffed and just saying, how do you like me now? Off you go. Yeah, yeah. And the uh, uh, the 13-year-old decoy confronts sexual predator or child sex. I want to make sure I get that right. Confronts child sexual predator during uh, Vets for Child Rescue pedophile roundup. There it is, the picture. It's, how did that go? Yeah. How did that go? Well, I mean, that had to be, wow. Just so so people understand, our decoys are actually older. They're 19 and 20-year-olds. And they pose as 12 and 13 year olds right. for the operation. So they are undercover for the operation. How did it go? Uh, these girls are courageous. They're, they are professionals. They were working as professionals on the team and they did their jobs fantastically. They were tremendously effective. I would say they were 100% effective and, uh, it, it inspired all the rest of us to see they're in a house full of SWAT team, canine unit, police chief, prosecutor, uh, best for child rescue camera crew and sometimes some of our operators, our Viper unit, uh, depending on the op are, are there. And it's, it's just kind of cool to, to interact and we, we laugh between, uh, conversations and there's a lot going on, but these girls are professional and the way that it went was they did their jobs. They lured these predators in and, uh, dropped the hammer on them. And uh, they ended up at Buffs, and and they're getting prosecuted. Okay, and I'm amazed. Well, I shouldn't say amazed. People pay attention to this because among the pedophiles arrested were a guy by the name of Jason Livermore, married U.S. Army recruiter with two children, Carlos Valenzuela Nunez, an undocumented alien. Hey, nothing to see there, right? I think that was a guy Um, who was also connected to, if I remember correctly, a cartel and was possible... That this was the guy who was into trafficking people. Okay. If you look at the there chart, one of the guys, um, you know, it's all written up, but yeah, yep. one of the guys uh, heavily tied into to uh, organized crime. And, um, and, and a school bus driver and grandfather Floyd Jennings. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah, my and word. he was an elder, I think, in the church there in Utah. So who knows how many children he's had access to and and, and abused his authorities. As a bus driver, or whatever else. Uh, yeah, you know, some great, of these people are. You just made a great uh, point. This, I'm sure, none of these people on this list was was their first time trying to engage in this behavior, and that's probably one of the most disturbing facts of dealing with this. They all say that it's their first time verbally, but you can go back through and uh, the investigations exploit their uh, electronic devices and readily uh, see that the that they're they're. Telling, they're not telling the truth. It's uh, they've right. done a lot. So, well, each of these perps, if you consider many of them, uh, harm numerous children, even hundreds of children each. So it feels good to get each one of them off the streets. Now, it, it doesn't feel nice for me to see someone that's an army recruiter married uh, <laughs> get himself thrown in prison. But the fact that he's he's uh, uh, abusing underage children and causing them psychological trauma that they will fight and struggle to overcome for the rest of their lives that makes it makes me understand he's got to go and the same thing with any of the rest of them a federal agent that does me no good to see a federal agent with a family uh, get locked up for who knows how many years or decades but at the same time he was coming there to essentially rape 12 year old girl so you realize the harm that they do and you, you, it's hard to reconcile that with the, their, the rest of their life or their family life or their professional life, but that's, 
the nature of mankind. Uh, man, uh, a man can have a professional life and a family and then go off and cause incalculable harm to precious young lives. And that's, that's what some of these people do. So, hey, look, we've got to enforce the law. We've got to set a standard and keep it and send a message. And so while it does me no, uh, I take no pleasure in it on one hand, on the other hand, uh, this has to happen, man. People need to see that the laws, that we are a nation of laws and that we uphold the law. And, and, and it's absolute for everybody. There should be nobody above the law. There's no caste system here. So just because you're part of a certain agency or unit or church or political affiliation should not and must not matter. It's our individual behavior that matters. Let's own it. Let's own it, America. So that's, Craig, that's the future. That's what we need to get back to. I, I mean, you have seen so much in your career, in your in your experience as a um, well in special forces. Um, I mean, with with the armed services now, and as a federal agent, um, I, I'm almost afraid to or hesitant to ask you this question. Have you seen anything in your recent endeavor that has surprised you, e- even your hardened self, as a, as it would be? Well, I, I told myself I was going to be ready for anything, but I will say it surprised me when one of the perps came into the house just the other day, and and the SWAT team he bolted. You said you'd hate to see me in a house. Well, I walked out there, and his eyes got as big as saucers, <laughs> and he sprinted for the door. Yeah. And, uh, and the canine unit was going to loose that dog on him. In fact, did, uh, initiate that, that takedown response, uh, command to the dog. Release the dog. Yeah, he did. He stuck <laughs> that dog on him, which was appropriate, uh, for that, that, uh, flight response from that perpetrator. But part of the other, the rest of the SWAT team rounded the corner in front of the perpetrator to cut him off. And that canine handler issued a second response and called that dog off, and that dog stopped immediately. So it was an on and then off response just that quick. That was a beautiful, uh, professional example of what these canines and their handlers can do and the level of discipline and, and control and professionalism, professionalism even of the dog. So I said all that to say this. I was surprised that that perpetrator, when they had him proned out and they were cuffing him and he was – Resisting and yelling and, uh, they, they, they started commanding him to tell him who was in this vehicle. And, uh, there was nobody in his vehicle. It was two car seats. That's his own children's car seat. Whoa. Two car seats. Left his family and, and came to, to do this. So that surprised me a little bit. Uh, seemed pretty, pretty callous and, uh, and, and dark. You know, I just think about those little people. My, I don't want to sound like a big sissy, but my heart goes out to his, those children. I don't know what they were subjected to or his wife, what kind of life, you know, if she was okay with it or if she didn't know or I just, I'm like, man, I see the destruction of a family and look what his behavior did, you know, man. to, to so people. It's, uh, so that was a little bit of a surprise, guys. That's, but you know, not, not much of it can surprise me. Again, I've been to 55 countries around the globe over the decades, seen a lot of different types of conflict, high intensity, low intensity, full on war, uh, covert operations, and, and, uh, you know, stood in mass graves. And, uh, I've seen a lot. So I, I try not to be surprised and my mind's a little bit calloused in that way. You know, my heart's still soft for the innocent and the children. 
but as far as the perpetrators go, I've kind of seen, I've seen most everything, I think, at this point. And the only command I would say is release the dogs and release Craig Sawyer onto these perverts, mm-hmm. you know. It's really something. We need to support Craig Sawyer and his endeavor, vetsforchildrescue.org. That's the website. Uh, we need to keep his work going. We need to really educate others about what's taking place. And, and as you mentioned, you know, it's sad when you've got um, people that others respect, such as Jimmy Kimmel. I don't know why anyone would respect that uh that individual, but nonetheless, they do. They listen to him, and, and you've got uh, Kimmel and others mocking the issue of Pedagate uh, in a larger sense. Um, it's paid opposition, as you say, and I try not to pay attention to that, but it's difficult not to, especially when the children's lives are at stake. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's something else. Uh, we only have a few minutes left. Uh, Joe, I, Twitter. I want to yeah. ask you, Craig, about Twitter. I know you lost about a thousand followers in this conservative purge of Twitter. Have you gained any of those back yet? Yep. Yep. Gained, okay. uh, gained all of them back and, uh, plus another hundred, I think. Well, that's really interesting so. because, uh, when speaking with Jack Posobiec yesterday, he said that a lot of the people who were locked out of their accounts were, uh, made to verify that they were not bots by linking their account with a phone number or going through a process to prove to the website that they were not bots. And I believe that many of those people who were locked out did that. So, uh, and that's why I asked, because it seems that um, if your followers were restored, then many of those accounts, it seems, that were locked out or, or purged at first are proving to be actual accounts more so than, than bots or Russian bots. So yep. that's uh, encouraging. So, but, but, Yeah, I don't, I don't fault a, a social media platform for performing their due diligence and making sure we don't have uh, Russian bots infested in all of our... our uh, you know profiles. I think that's uh, that's a good thing. It, some people posted they wish they would have had a heads up. I don't know uh, for for OPSEC if they if that was appropriate for the platform to do that. I know what I do resent is Twitter suppressing any sort of um, conservative outlook. Man, if you for God, country, family, uh, or for defending the children, they deliberately suppress you. I got people to post every day, and I usually share it back when they post it. They're like, Craig. I can't, I can't like your stuff. I can't share it. When I click like on your page, I come back the next day and I, and, and it's gone. And I have to follow you over and over again. And, and they won't let me share your stuff. Your stuff's hidden. Your shadow banned. And I thought, well, they're losing. The people that run these social media platforms, the agenda that they're trying to push on the American public, the dark, oppressive, tyrannical, global communist agenda, is is so negative and so counterproductive that the American people are rejecting it, and they're having to resort to manipulation out of desperation to try to force that agenda against us. I think it's a beautiful thing. I say, hey, reap it, owners of social media, reap it, because the truth is going to win. The sunlight is greater than the dark. The American people want to be free. They don't want to be socialist, Marxist, uh, global communist, and live under the boot of people like. Uh, George Soros under his absolute tyrannical control. Uh, they want to be free to make their own, call their own shots and live their own lives. So I think uh, with a president like Donald Trump, uh, we're, we're going to make a lot of prosecutions of these people that are trying to ruin our country and restore the freedoms and liberties, uh, bolster our Constitution so that uh, 
the freedom that we've enjoyed lives on for our children and grandchildren. Amen. Craig, we're uh, we're out of time. I just want to say thank you. It's such a great uh, checking in with us and sharing with us the uh, the arrests that were made, the difference you and your team are making, the fact that our our audience can support you through vets for child rescue dot org. That's vets number four child rescue dot org. We support you one hundred percent. And if there is anything ever we can do for you. Please let us know, but I would urge all of our audience to support you, your efforts, and to tell others, especially on social media, and make the social media uh, tyrants, um, uh, well, compel them to, of course, uh, uh, speak the truth. And I thank you. You're you're, you're a great man, and uh, I look up to, and I'm I'm glad I know you. Thank you, guys. I appreciate the truth that, that you're speaking, the platform that you utilize for that, what you're doing for the American people. You're fighting in your own way. Uh, to do what you can. So I appreciate both of you guys, and uh, I'm always thankful to come on and share a little time with you. Appreciate it, my friend. God bless you. You stay safe out there. All right. We're, we're going to be talking again. All right, folks, that'll do it for us tonight. That was Craig Sawyer, the Sawman. And uh, look, uh, his contra, uh, Contraland, uh, man. Yeah, I'm looking support to what it. he's doing. Yeah, exactly. And, and we've met him, uh, as as we've said, in Chicago. He actually had flown up uh, and uh, met him at a, at a conference in Chicago. And, and I, I will tell you this, they are making a difference. Craig Sawyer and his team are making a difference. So put that in your crack pipe and smoke it to those people who are saying that this is not something that, that goes on every day, that it's a conspiracy theory. All right? I don't know what's going on with that, but uh, there you have it. Folks, consider becoming a Hagman Report patron by visiting Patreon page at HagmanReport.com. Simply click on the banner at the top. Our Patreon private live stream is the first Sunday of every month. We appreciate you joining us. We are populating the Hagman Report forum every as much as we can. Uh, by the way, I'm going to be guest hosting InfoWars tomorrow, and I'll February be on, 23rd uh, at, uh, at hour the last four? hour. You'll be on hour four? Hour four, right. I have uh, from 11.06 to 11.30 the Bill Martinez show, yeah, which yeah. I'll be doing too. So. That's going to be great. Got a lot of stuff. And then I gotta, I'm got going to be on with Sam Johnson on Saturday, the Sharpening Report. The Sharpening Report. So, so InfoWars, the Sharpening Report, um, Bill Martinez. And then, of course, 9 o'clock a.m., Doug Hagman Radio Show, 2 to 3, John and Joe. And then back here tomorrow night, 7 to 10, for the flagship show, The Hagman Report. I, I, you're doing yeah. a lot of great work. We're, all, we're we're trying to get the word out. So please pass the word on to others. Again, Doug Hagman Radio Show, 9 to 10, Global Star and BTR. And John and Joe from 2 to 3. And, of course, uh, all of the other appearances, including but not limited to InfoWars tomorrow, fourth hour. I want to thank John, our producer. I want to thank Eric, the tech. I want to thank Global Star, BTR, and you for tuning in. May God bless you.